Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Swing and a ground ball to third. It's picked by Triolo to second. There's one. On to first. Out at first base. And the ball game is over. As the Pirates turn the double play on JT Realmuto. And they hang on for a 7-6 win. Thank you, Scott Fransky. Oh, and so it went last night. Phillies' mini winning streak ends at three as they lose to the Pirates. Uh, final game of that series today. Lots of wasted opportunity yesterday. A slew of bad defense. Good morning, Jody Mack. How are you? Thank you very much for recapping last night's painful loss. I don't know about you. But that one kind of stuck and was painful. Anytime you do 162 games, there are going to be some games that have more an effect on you than another. And we'll see how this one uh, smells a week from now. But, damn, in the moment, I was ticked off last night, G-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do me a favor. Sum it up in one word. Ugly. Just flat out ugly. Yeah. Because. I think we're in the same vein there. Yeah. Um. Base running, really poor fielding. The, the pirate pitching staff walked nine. I know they got six runs, but they could have gotten double digits. Yeah, it was just flat out ugly. So we are now 56 hours away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Uh, that could be a big deal around these parts and throughout baseball. Already some deals, ooh, including a significant one. Let's sidetrack for a moment, Jody. The Mets waved the white flag. Agreed to a deal sending uh, 38-year-old Max Scherzer, three time, I think a three-time Cy Young winner, I believe, uh, the guy who led them in wins this year to Texas for some prospects. What's your thought on, on the Mets kind of just saying, okay, we're, we're out? Well, uh, first, it wasn't prospects. It was one prospect. Now, he's a very good prospect. He's Ronald Acuna's brother. Yeah, yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, young shortstop. Good bloodlines who uh, I was on the air last night when the trade came down. Um, so I did, uh, quickly reported because I saw it was maybe MLBTradeRumors.com. Baseball America had him as the 84th, 80, 83rd best prospect in all of baseball. But MLB.com, who is just as well-respected, had him as the 44th best. So you don't usually see that kind of derivation. A guy can be different on those two lists by five or ten spots, not by 40. So there's a little bit of a debate as to how good a prospect he is, but he's pretty damn good. But it's only one, and the Mets are eating more than half of the money. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, to think this guy was in their plans 24 hours ago, yep. he got dealt because the Mets traded David Robertson, who has done a nice job as their closer, the ex-Philly. I thought maybe the Phillies would be in, um, involved in Third in time's a charm, to, right? Yeah, exactly. Very good. <laughs> um, he ends up going to the Marlins, which is not good for the Phillies because he's having a heck of a year. They asked Scherzer about it after the game, and he says, I guess I'm going to have to talk to management. Mm-hmm. Because they <laughs> signified then that, yeah, we're out, we're trading, we're selling. And within 24 hours, he's traded to the Texas Rangers, and the Mets are eating 30-some-odd million of his dollars over the next year and a third to just get him off the team, and they only get one prospect in return. Now, albeit this kid could turn into a superstar. Who knows? Uh, pretty damn good bloodlines. But... Man, they not only waved the wet, uh, the white flag, they laid down, waved yes, it, and then laid sure down. Did. And they could do a lot. They could be sell a lot more over the next, uh, what did I say it was, six, 56 hours. Um, all right, before we get to what the Phillies might do, let's review last night's game. You said ugly. I ugly. said sloppy. Let's go through a few angles. Uh, let's start with this. The Phillies got off to a nice 4-1 to one lead in the fourth. You get a three-run uh, Brandon Marsh double, followed by the man of the last couple days, Mr. Cave. The pitch swung on, hit in the air, center field, straight away. Sawinski turns. He's going back to the track, and it's off the base of the wall. In to score is Marsh. Cave into second. He's got a double. Three two base hits in the inning. And the Phillies now lead it 4-1. to one. I was feeling very good at that point, Jody. I'm sure you were as well. Uh, by the way, all all of those came after a bases loaded whiff by Trey Turner, his 109th strikeout of the season. The manager uh, moved him to seventh in the order yesterday. Uh, Trey Turner is now one for 15 in the last four games. Haven't seen the lineup yet for today. I'm assuming he's playing. I'm guessing he's batting seventh again. You got any any new thoughts on Trey Turner, or is this what we've discussed week after week? Uh, it's a re- little repetitious. You're right. Um, the For those who want to do, and we, we talked to them here on our show on the weekend, my show's on Monday and Tuesday night, uh, people just killing the manager for not moving him down in the lineup, one of which was me. Uh, how, how bad did he have to go for the manager to acknowledge that he needed to be out of the two-hole? He tried the day off leading into a day off and thought that that might work. Didn't work. All right, fine. I got to move him down the lineup, drops him down to number seven. And, of course, big spots find him. It never never fails. You move somebody around in the lineup, and the next day they're going to come up in a spot with runners in scoring position, and invariably they don't get the job done. So at least Rob Thompson did what Philly Nation was asking him to do by dropping him. But then it didn't do any good because Trey Turner just is not swinging the bat right now. Yeah, it's a problem, Glenn. Uh, th- this guy is not only not helping them, not living up to his contract, he's actually hurting them. Yeah, he and is. And I, I, I hope that there's something that can be done. Maybe it's luck. Maybe it's more work. Maybe it's less work. I don't know what the answer is. I'm sure he's trying everything. The Phillies trying everything. But at least get up to respectable. Can we ask for respectable at a Trey Turner over the last 45 games? You would certainly hope so. Offense and defense, he is hurting them. And, and um, uh, well, I'll get to more of the other guys there. But so they build up a nice lead for Aaron Nola. But no, bottom of the fifth, some horrible, horrible outfield defense. 
Nick Castellanos has one sale by his glove. It's a double. Never an error. God forbid you. Oh, call, my God. Call, call something. I don't. I don't know. Do you think it's an edict, like an MLB edict, that scores have to do it, or do you just think it's like every college professor gives an A now? You know what I mean? Just the standards have changed so much. No, I think it was absolutely an edict. Although, I I've talked to at least four, if not five, national baseball writers. One of which you know quite well, Jason Stark, uh, my buddy uh, Scotty Miller from the West Coast. I said, have any of you guys been able to find a uh, a guy who will go on record, a deep throat, to say, yes, well, here is the email that we received that told us to, any time there is a debatable call, please judge it as a hit. Uh, no, no one has been able to come up with that. But enough of them have anecdotal evidence that that was made well known to those who were official scorers in the beginning of the year, that uh, when in doubt, think hit rather than error. Uh, I absolutely believe that something was said to an entire group of a fit, maybe on an individual basis, but they were told, yeah, we want to get our numbers up. So if you can, please judge an error a hit if you're not going to be thrown out of the stadium by your ruling. I love the way you tied it to Watergate. That was good. <laughs> that was good. I think the Major League Pitchers Union should get in. You know, no no spit, because right? and it's not just for ego sake. The is going up here. What did I do? Because Castellanos can't catch a ball in his glove. Exactly. And, oh, by the way, where it's most prominent is uh, for those players in the arbitration process. I can guarantee you that is absolute. The needle is moved significantly by statistics. That's what they go in and argue. Each has their own analytics guy come in each side, and here's why this is the more important analytical stat. It's all about stats. So when you're giving up earned runs that shouldn't be earned runs, you can't possibly win. So they're taking money out of pitchers' pockets. Yes. So Cassianos does that. Then he misplays another one. Then Bryce Harper makes his first error of the season. You know what? He he looked like uh, a receiver who runs before he catches the ball on that one. You know, he was yeah. going for the double play and started moving. So, uh, and then Aaron Nola pitching to Andy Rodriguez, and we get this. And here's the next one. It's lined into center, coming on Marsh. He won't get it, and it one hops and goes by him. One run is home. McCutcheon will score. Here comes Davis home to score. On his way to third, Rodriguez and the Pirates put three across on one swing from Andy Rodriguez, and they now lead it 6-4. to four. All right. That one also not ruled an error. Maybe those aren't errors typically when they skip by you. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, and, and uh, can I disagree vehemently here? I thought that was the most egregious of the scoring okay, last night. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. The, you, you have to stop that ball. You have yeah. to. And I think Marsh is a good fielder. He's not as good as the guy who came in and finished the game in center field. We've found that out pretty damn quickly. But I've always thought of him as an above-average center fielder. He has problem with that play. That's not the first time this has happened, Glenn. He gets Hmm. caught in betwixt and between and can't decide. And either you go for it or you just take it on a bounce and stop it. But he can't do what he does. Make the dive and then let it get by you. Yeah. That's just bad defense, plain and simple. Last night was an error, plain and simple. I don't care what the only official scorer said. Can't do that, Marsh. All right, so how much last night was Nola? How much was the defense? Because, well, you, you answer that question first, and then I'll, then I'll give you my thought there. 
It, it surely was a combination effort. I'm not giving okay. Aaron Nola a free pass because the defense was bad behind him. He could, uh, how about a strikeout every once in a while? Uh, you got to be able to put some of those Pittsburgh guys away and take it out of your fielder's hands. He did not. Uh, but if you just look at the amount of runs that he gave up and the amount of time he pitched, no, there was seriously bad defense play behind him. So, so it, was it was such a Nola game. Because he, he had four strikeouts in the first two innings, right? And that's the, the top of the order. He's just cruising right through it. And I feel like I've seen this so, so many times, right? Aaron Nola off to a great, great start. Then there's the big homer in the third inning to, uh, what's his name, Peguero. Nola's now allowed 24 home runs. He, he passed the aforementioned Max Scherzer for, I believe, the National League lead in home runs given up. Um, and he gets the bad defense, but as you say, he doesn't help himself. He's got a 443 ERA this year. Uh, I do believe he leads the end National League in, in home runs allowed. If not, he's right at the top. He gives you, like, he'll give you that good outing, like the win in, uh, in Milwaukee recently, or that brilliant game against Tampa. I think that was July 4th. He was just great. And then you get last night, four and two thirds inning, nine hits, seven runs. Yes, defense, but still. And then the three home run game against Miami, whatever, two or three starts ago. What has Aaron Nola done, Jody McDonald, to make you want the Phillies to bring him back? Um, well, because pitching is such a premium in Major League Baseball right now. And you have to judge everybody's statistics through the lens of, yeah, everybody's ERA is better than it actually is because of the way scoring is going in Major League Baseball these days. It, it, I, I hate to say this, Glenn, but it's the reality of what we're living in today in sports. It's going to come down to the money. If, if they can bring Aaron Nola back on what they consider to be a fair deal – then Aaron Nola will be back and part of the rotation again next year, and I won't be mad at it. No, I wouldn't either. If it's a fair deal, sure, a three-year deal, whatever. But uh, to me, it's it's more the years than the money. But obviously, these two things interrelate. But if it's like a, you know the the what were they talking about for the year? Was it where what was he wasn't one then like five years, hundred and eighty million being tossed around? I don't know about 180, but certainly 150. He was okay. in the 30 million dollar per range. Yeah, I'm and not, he I has wouldn't. pitched himself out of that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I'm not. All right, so they are currently in the second wild card spot, a half a game behind San Francisco, tied with the Reds, a half a game in front of Miami and Arizona. Five teams essentially going for three spots. The Cubs, I think, are three games back. Um, I love it because it's that it's the daily scoreboard watching, which is what you love in baseball, mm-hmm. right? I mean, oh, what the Diamondbacks do today? I just, I love that aspect of baseball, which does it better than any sport. The day to day. Now we're moving into August. Let's look at the standings every day. Um, and so I ask you this question every week, Jody McDonald. As we sit here today on July thirtieth, what are the chances that the Philadelphia Phillies make the playoffs? I've got my number right here. You go first. I will go first. Um, and, oh, by the way, I, I didn't check it yet this morning, but I did check fan graphs last night. I checked it this morning. You it did? is just under 67%. Okay. Um, that I'm, I'm right in their neighborhood. Despite the ugliness of last night's win, I still like the Phillies' chances. And, and part of that has to do you just – ran down a litany of teams fighting for the multiple spots of playoffs in the National League. I still don't love the Giants. I still think the Phillies are better than the Marlins. 
somebody's going to win the Central. There's there's problem, and they're going back and forth. The Reds missed out. Uh, I'm on the air till two o'clock in the morning last night, so I'm watching Dodgers Reds on MLB Network after midnight. And the Reds actually had a chance to leapfrog the Brewers and go back in the first place. They didn't though. Dodgers won, and the Dodgers have. Did you know there was a Kyle Schwarber on the West Coast? Oh, there's a uh, who's that? Max Muncy. Uh, is that right? He's the same exact as Kyle Schwarber. He's hitting below 200. He's got a bunch of home runs. His on base percentage, even though he's hitting a buck 90 something, is 325. He gets a ton of walks. They're very similar offensive players. Their numbers across the board. And sure enough, once he hit two home runs and drove in all three of their runs last night to lift the Dodgers to a win. Uh, you, you not only have to take where you think your team is at and what they can't. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. And will do for the last two months of the season. But you have to try and judge every other team. So I'd, I'd be in the 65% range as of right now, uh, even with last night's ugly loss attached. All right. The number I wrote down is 63.5. Oh, you went point. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> but we're pretty much in the same range, and we're pretty much where StatCast has them, so that's good. You know what, it, what I think is, is good for them? The schedule looks good at least for the next uh, couple of weeks. After the Pirates today, you got four at the Marlins, and I know, they, you know they've done poorly over the years playing the Marlins, but this is the opportunity to try and put some distance with them. Um, then you got seven at home against the Royals and the Nats. Those two teams, Jody McDonald, they combined 61 games under 500 right now. Oof, yeah, got to take advantage. So the schedule th- turns you away. But, you know, we do this all the time. You and I have been doing it for 30 years. Just when you think a team can't play, they step up and play well. Yeah. And then you uh, run into a team, you go, all right, well, this is a real tough series. They can get out of there with one win. And they go in and take all three games. So sure. uh, strength of schedule is something you must always factor in. But you can't just hold to it and say this is this is going to be outcome of all of the games because these are the teams we're matching up against. Is why the games are officially not played on paper. Um, can, can I add one other thing on Fangrass before we move yeah, on? Sure. 
so I was on it last night because there's one thing that is annoying me greatly about uh, Fangraphs, and I like it a lot. Uh, Jay Jaffe is outstanding. He's one of the best writers in the country. I'm going to have my CBS show uh, later on today, and I will ask him about this and, more importantly, the trade deadline and everything else. Uh, you and I always look the look at the we'll make the playoffs percentage column. And what did you say the Phillies were? Maybe you checked it last night before. 60, it's like 66.8 or something like that. Okay, Just under yeah. 67%. They're, they're at 66 and change. You're right. Um, I, for whatever reason, also checked the to win the World Series column. Because they not only give you will make the playoffs, but yeah. to win the World Series. And right now the Braves are the runaway favorites in oh, baseball at 25%. Yeah, they're really good. The Dodgers are number two at 13 uh, there is not a team in the American League that is over 10%. The Rays, despite trailing the Orioles, are still number one at 9.7. The Rangers' number moved significantly. Yeah, sure. It went from 4.7 or 8 up to 5.5. And the move seven-tenths of a point in one day is a massive move, and I think it has much to do about them acquiring Max Scherzer, and is over for ERA, but uh, he is uh, historically one of the best pitchers in baseball, blah, blah, blah. Uh, one team just jumps out at me, and that's the Baltimore Orioles. And they were just in town. The Phillies got two out of three against them. All three games could have gone either way. The Phillies could have lost all three. They could have won all three and ended up a 2-1 split in their favor. The Orioles' chance to win the World Series. Rays are 97 the Blue Jays, who are playing well, I watched them yesterday afternoon on the MLB Network, are at 6.3. Hmm. The Twins, who are 54 and 52, just because they're a divisional leader right now, are at 3.3. By the way, the Phillies played the Twins after that schedule I just gave you. Okay. Okay. Uh, and out west, the Astros is still the favorite. They're 8.1, even though they trailed the Rangers, right. who are at 5.5 with the addition of Scherzer. The Baltimore Orioles are still only 3.1% to make yeah. the World Series. See, and those numbers I don't take as seriously as the first. Are you going to make the playoffs? Because as we saw with the Phillies, you know, they snuck into the playoffs. They were their last team, right? Yeah. And, uh, and they got all the way to the World Series. I think the postseason can be a pitcher gets hot, you know, a couple of hitters get hot. It's it's a very – the odds obviously um, aren't as reliable in short series as they are over the course of the next two months, right? We agree? We agree. Yeah. But I, I think there's more to it because you know, the, the further you go out, the more subjectivity you have to add. Uh, just make the playoffs. That's kind of a number-crunching thing. How many games, strength of schedule, blah, blah, blah. But then now you got to start predicting series wins without even knowing who they're matching up against. It certainly gets more difficult. But I think they're disrespecting the Orioles. Orioles have the second-best record in baseball. Yeah, I And they're know. like eighth in their you percentage f- chance to win the World Series. See, and I don't know what goes into that because, I, as you say, the first thing is a number-crunching thing. It's pretty easy to figure out. The Phillies play these teams over the rest of the year. Those teams are collectively have a winning percentage of whatever, 492. And the Phillies have these many guys on the DL. So here's what, here's what I see. But those, like, I don't even know how they project that. I don't know how they assign the Orioles three point whatever percent. I, 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 can't, I can't take that as seriously. 
I have to so. take it seriously if they're going to put it out there in their <laughs> well-respected uh, website okay. covering Major right. League Baseball. It's just I'm going to blatantly disagree with it and say, you're disrespecting the Orioles. All right. Uh, I want to add one thing before we go to the break because I want to have fun with some calls today. And this is the question I will ask. I'll ask you. I'll ask our producer, Nick Earnshaw, and I will ask our audience. By the way, we're going to talk Eagles in the next segment. Um, with the trade deadline now just two days away, what is the best in-season acquisition by any Philadelphia team that you can come up with? James Harden. Oh, no, sorry. Forget that. <laughs> Really uh, this is Jody's vote. <laughs> Nick, you want to weigh in? I see. I got to go with Joe Bland back in 08. I love that trade. B. That was pretty good. I don't. I, I think I can come up with better, but that was pretty good. And we will always remember him more than anything for what, Nick Earnshaw? Oh, the home run. World yeah. Series home run. Yeah. And he won 12 of 16 games that year with the Phillies. The Phillies won 12 of 16 oh, the games. Phil- I was yes, going to say, he correct. didn't win 12. They, they, he started 16 games, and they won 12. Yes. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Jody, you want to throw in another? Um, I'd go along the same lines, and it doesn't have the big payoff because Joey B was part of a uh, World Series winning team. But name recognition, and he pitched real well, too. A couple of years later, they got Roy Oswalt in July. Yeah, that was a great day. And it led to the quote-unquote four aces the next year, which didn't really pay off in 2011 either. Um, but uh, when they got Oswald and added him to Hamels and Holiday and Lee, that was yeah. pretty damn exciting. And he held yeah, up we his were, end of the we bargain. We were walking on top of the world, weren't exactly. we? Exactly. Yeah. And he, he, they, they got beat that year in the playoffs. But it wasn't because of Roy Oswalt. He he came over and got the job done in the two months uh, yeah, after I like he was that. acquired. That's good. Uh, I'm not going to give mine now except to say mine's a football one, okay. which is a rare, much more rare thing. But mine is an Eagles one that I remember they got, and I thought this guy was a great pickup during the season at the NFL trade deadline. So we ask you that. What's the best season pickup by any Philadelphia team as we move toward the Major League Baseball trade deadline. At 11 o'clock, Scott Lauber of the Philadelphia Inquirer is going to join us to talk about the trade deadline. We'll talk to his colleague Jeff McLean at noon, uh, and we will take your calls at 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, Sunday morning on 94 WIP. This Mac and Mac is sponsored by the good Folk at Bet Parks make future bets on the birds on the Bet Park Sportsbook app. Odd slots, bets, games right there in the palm of your hand. Must be 21 in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. You've been uh, scanning social media here. What's going on? Um, the, I mentioned Jason Stark, who I had on my show last week on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, great tweet from him on the Max Scherzer deal. Uh, I, I sent this out just uh, this hour. Uh, Jason says, if I'm doing the math correctly, Mets will wind up paying Max Scherzer about $118 million from 2022 to 2024, and they got one postseason start out of it, a 7-1 loss in which Max gave up four home runs. Oof. Ouch. Yeah. You talk about not living up to a paycheck. We're getting on Trey Turner's gates here. And then again, there's Max Scherzer and the Mets. Holy mackerel. And I here's another one I didn't know. Uh, they showed up on my timeline back-to-back. You know Darren Ravel, right? 
oh, sports yeah. business guy. Yeah, yeah, I think he's kind of a pompous guy, a jerk face. But he might he might very well be. But he gets he, he puts out yeah, good yeah, info. Yeah. Max Scherzer will become the first athlete in pro sports history to be paid at least fifteen million dollars by three different teams in a single year. I'd forgotten that the Nationals were still paying Scherzer. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. He's getting 15 from the Nationals, 28 from the Mets, and 15 from the Rangers to finish out the season. So he gets three checks on the 30th. Three deposits show up in his account. One from the Nats, one from the Mets, one from the Rangers for the rest of the year. Wow. All of them in excess of $15 million. Uh, that that is astounding, and the thing is, he's 38 years old, right? And a lot of guys these days certainly can and do pitch well into their 40s, but not everybody. I mean, guys, you know, when Roy Halladay got old, he got old in a hurry. So I don't know if that's happening right now with Max Scherzer, but to invest that much money in a pitcher that age is always going to be risky. So, And I thought about this last night, again, because it came down while I was on the air. Um I was kind of like saying, well, what does this do for Scherzer's legacy, his career? He's going to be a Hall of Famer, blah, blah, blah. It's now his sixth team. He's kind of jumped around. He's become a bit of a vagabond. But then I thought about it. You can't really hold it against him. When he's with the Nationals, they won a World Series. They were absolutely packing it in, and they traded Trey Turner with him. At the time, we thought, how the hell do you trade Trey Turner? And then there's today. Um, (laughs) He wanted to win. And we always argue with about players. Oh, they were worried about the money. They're more worried about their stats. Here's a guy who said, "Listen, if we're not trying to win, get me the heck out of here." Yeah, which is what S- seems like happened yesterday. Same exact thing. Yeah. If you're going to trade David Robertson, we're waving the white flag. Well, let me go somewhere where they're actually trying to win a, a World Series over the last two months of the season. So I can't be mad at Max Scherzer if he's saying, "No, no, no, I want to go to a team that's actually trying to win." That should be something we applaud rather than get ticked off at. As they say in one of my favorite movies, My Cousin Vinny, his biological clock is tick, tick, ticking. (laughs) You know, he's got to keep moving. All right, I want to talk some football. Uh, Let me give people the numbers, 215-592-9494. Actually, before, we don't have a whole lot of time in this segment, so I will do the quick issue I have, which was the big news yesterday was the fashion news. Uh, that the Eagles released, I guess they kind of got jumped on this and then uh, they had to uh, get it out themselves after it was leaked. Their uh, official new Kelly Green jerseys, which they're going to put on sale at their uh, their pro shops on Monday. Did you happen to see them? And what do you think? I did. Um, I'm probably a little bit biased here with a last name like McDonald. Uh, so I am a fan, a big fan of Kelly Green, both in the fact that it has the tie that it does to Eagles history, and I just happen to like that color a great deal with my Irish heritage. So I'm all for all about the Kelly Green this upcoming season. There's a, that's a pregnant pause. Yeah, Is that no, a pregnant I, pause, or that was yeah, the end no, of the thing? Yeah, no, I was. The, that was the end of my point. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought there was going to be a but. <laughs> no. Okay. No, no but involved. I love the Kelly Green. Okay. All right. I do too. Um, I, I I wish I like the ones that had the stripe on them back in the in the Jaws days. Uh, but this is the the Reggie White, Randall Cunningham, mm-hmm. late nineteen eighties, early nineteen nineties, 
And I do. I think they're really sharp. I think they the sales on this are going to be huge. Um, I think that Jeff Lurie was reluctant to do this all of this time because he's the guy who made the switch from Kelly Green to Midnight Green. The Eagles have clearly done well. They won their Super Bowl in Midnight Green. That's going to be the color they're going to kind of keep going forward. But I love it as well. So my question is, if if a fan asks you, and I'll ask the people, what jersey do you get? This year? Well, whatever. They Kelly come with Green. numbers and names or just numbers. Oh, well, you're talking about which individual player would I yeah, get? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, oh, the Kelly Green. I got news. That Kelly Green is going to sell amazingly. We have the first pregame show at the stadium in a couple weeks. Yeah, the first one's a road game. I think the second one's the home game. Um I anticipate seeing thousands of people in those Kelly Greens, like right off the bat. Uh, this one's about as much of a layup as you can get. Uh, you just made your quarterback one of the highest-paid players in the National Football League. He's coming off a runner-up MVP season. He's going to be here. He's going to be good. I've seen the the pictures. As you said, they put out a lot of uh, uh, pictures on it, and he looked good in the Kelly Green uniform. Now I think he can look good in basically any uniform because he looks like a star NFL quarterback. But, hey, yeah, there, is there anything other than a Jalen Hurts jersey you want to buy at this stage? Yeah, I, there's one other I would buy. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, one other. Yeah. Okay, I'm interested to hear that. I, I'm buying the guy who I know is going into the Hall of Fame as an Eagle, which is Jason Kelsey. Because oh. it's timeless, right? Because Kelsey retires in a year or two, whatever. It's still like, I got my Jason Kelsey jersey. This one, it's like a Dawkins jersey. It's like, well, if you're getting the the throwbacks, you know, a Randall or a Reggie makes sense, 1292, one of those. But if you get a Kelsey jersey, and by the way, Irish, I think, right? Is Kelsey Irish? Um, Or is it K-E-L-S-E-Y would be Irish? I I would think that there's some significant Irish in that family background. But here's here's the question I have for you. Are you taking that from his beer drinking habits? uh, Yes. Um, (laughs) Here's where I would uh, diverge. And maybe it's just a lameness on my part. But when was the last time an offensive lineman was the guy whose jersey a fan wanted to wear down to the game. That's right. I know what Jason Kelsey means to this town. I know how great a personality he is. Shoot, he's probably that great a person, too. He's certainly that much fun of a person. But we wear the jersey because you want to hearken back to the plays that you remember that he made. We know that Jason Kelsey's really good. He keeps making Pro Bowls and, like you said, Hall of Fame and everything else. But... It's not the first thing that comes to my mind when I'm hearkening back to yesteryear, uh, the great lead block that Jason friend, Kelsey had. Maybe not, but unless I'm going to buy the Jason Kelsey mummer's outfit that he wore to the parade, Jason Kelsey is the guy that uh, the guy's still on the team. you got the four guys on the team, and Mike Silke wrote a terrific column about this earlier this week, right? you got Graham and Kelsey and Lane Johnson – and Fletcher Cox, who have been together on this team for 10 years uh, and, you know, obviously all were a huge part of that Super Bowl. They're not, they're not the only Super Bowl guys left, but pretty much it's just a handful. The long snapper, I know he's, he's one of them. Um, to me, Jason Kelsey will always say Super Bowl to me. Yeah, I'll think more of the Mummer's outfit than I will his jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
if you want to wear and I have, by the way, I have seen people wear that Mummer's outfit that he wore to the games. Right. So, but I would, I would get that's that's the one I would get. I think that that that's the one I want to see. So, and I love that they're doing it. Uh, of course, the last time they did it, which was in 2010, it was a bit of a disaster. Uh, but I think this is going to be very different, and I think the fans are going to love it, and they're going to do well. Quick question I, for you, because yeah. you mentioned uh, Jeff Lurie kind of dragging his feet on this, which the, the, he'll never cop to. The Eagle organization will never cop to, but we can all have our own beliefs about that. Do you think it was because he took – and you and I were, uh, I think, partners at the time. If not, we, we just uh, broken up. That he took some 96, serious, serious flack – for moving on to Kelly Green. Some people liked it. Some people, oh, we needed time for a change. This is newer. It's slicker. It's cooler, blah, blah, blah. But there were a whole bunch of people who said, how dare you take away the Kelly Green? Who do you think you are? Do you think that's why it took them this long to get back to the the early 90s Kelly Green? No, I don't think that's what it is. I think he liked the other color. Um, I think, again, they won in the other color. I think the one time that they brought this back – I think that was the game that Kevin Cobb got was the starting quarterback, and he got the concussed, and they got crushed by the Packers. And it was just a bad day, and I think in his mind, like we're not doing that anytime soon. And I think in the last couple of years, it's been you know what we could uh, the league the league is now doing this and approving it. We make some money doing it. I nah, okay, just check. I, I think he just likes the other color better. But uh, again, green is also the color of what Jody. Uh, M-O-N-E-Y. Yes. <laughs> Let's sneak in Will in Pottstown. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, Will. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey. Hey, bud. Uh, how you doing? Um, yeah, like, uh, the first thing that came to my mind was Tony Kuko, you know, uh, when they acquired him from uh, Chicago when we had Allen Iverson. Really? Um, yeah. Jerry, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you weigh in on that. Uh, Kuko was a Knights player, um, and he helped the team at that time. But I would not compare that to the addition of a guy like Roy Oswald. No. You're a Sixer fan. If you're a Sixer fan, if that's your number one team, every four for four, blah blah blah. But if you're more of a basketball, even within the four for four, people have their preferences. If the Sixers are your runaway favorite team of the group, then I would see where you'd go. Yeah, in season addition for the Sixers. Yeah, no, I don't think it compares to uh, some of the others we've seen hey, here. I, I can think of better in season acquisitions off the top of my head for the Sixers, which I will not give away. Uh, but I will tell you mine, and I, I will I will say this to our callers to uh, give our producer Nick Earnshaw some peace of mind today. Please call with something else first, okay? Don't just call mm-hmm. with that because that was really a bad call. So just call with another topic, and then at the end of that topic, we would love to hear what you think was the best in-season acquisition by any Philadelphia team as we are now just two days away from the trade deadline. I don't know if this was the best, Jody, but it's the first one that came to my mind, and you don't get a lot in football. So I'm going to go with Jay Ajay, who came over at the trade deadline in 2017 as the Eagles' rushing game needed some help. Uh, He played seven games. He had 408 rushing yards, another 98 receiving yards, averaged 5.8 yards a carry. Nice. Another 254 yards in the postseason was a big part of it. Had a good day in the Super Bowl. Poor guy got injured. His knee was destroyed. Didn't really last long. But I thought he was a great contributor. I don't. I don't know that they 
Would have won the Super Bowl without him. I'm going with Jay Ajayi. Here's what I'll say about Jay Ajayi. I, I like your pick a lot. Um, but he wasn't the most popular guy because there are certain things that Philadelphia fans, I've been in town 30-plus years, you're, you're a couple of years ahead of me, uh, that we found out in our time here in Philadelphia that football fans in town just generally like. They like players who blitz. They like defensive coordinators who blitz. They like uber aggression. And on the running back side, they like a guy who can bury his head. And when you need it on third and one, and Eagles don't even have the need for that anymore because they got a quarterback who does it. But a guy who can not only bounce it outside, but power himself through the defensive line to get that all-important third and inches on third down. That was not Jay Ajayi. That was LeGarrette Blunt. So of the two guys that comboed in that Super Bowl winning year, I would say LeGarrette Blunt was the more popular one just because he had the ability to go between the tackles too. But you're right, it was a key addition because the Eagles needed what Jay Ajayi brought to the table. And he yeah. was a different type of ta- uh, back than Blunt. And they could complement each other, and that helped the Eagles win a Super Bowl. So I like your pick. So if you give us who you think was the best uh, midseason pickup, tra- presumably trade acquisition during a season, uh, do us a favor. Bring something else before that, okay? We really uh, we want, we want, we want to hear from you, but we want good calls. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack. Now, top of the hour, we'll talk to Scott Lauber of the Inquirer about potential Phillies trades. And I'm going to tell you right now, bring on the summer heat with huge savings. When you replace your old, inefficient windows and doors with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Right now, Guida is offering their best discounts of the year with the big 40% off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors. If you have drafty windows you're meaning to replace, well, you receive 40% off each window you buy. That's right, 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient, triple-pane windows. You need new doors? Guida's got you covered there as well. 40% off all high-quality entry doors. Patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can start your project with no money out of pocket, paid off interest-free for up to 12 full months. Don't let these incredible savings pass you by. Go Guida right now so you can take advantage of these limited-time savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires July 31st. Call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. We lead you up to Phillies baseball today. We've got leading off coming up uh, later today in the show. Uh, Phillies against the Pirates, the rubber game of that one. Let's talk to, uh, by the way, I never understood what that word means, that phrase means. Any idea? Um, here's what I always thought, and I don't know if it's right or not, but uh, when you take like a rubber band, uh, any piece of rubber, you pull at both ends. Each team has won one game. It's going to snap, and one of the two ends is going to be longer. And that's going to be the team that wins the third game in the, the rubber game of that series. Wow, that's brilliant. I, I don't know if it's right or not, but that's what I've, <laughs> that's what I've been thinking for 40-plus no years. Idea. I don't know. I just always heard it, and it's like, what the hell does that mean? If any, Well, there you go. If we have a linguist out there, let us know. Uh, let's talk to Tom. Let's talk about Nick Castellanos, who's in a bit of a cold streak. What are you thinking, Tom? Yeah, Jody Glenn, uh, huge fan of the show. Love how you guys talk baseball. I think it's the best on the radio. So Thanks, thank you for that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I was on board with everybody else where 
I was I appreciated Topper moving Trey down to the number seven spot. Problem is the guy that they put in this spot pretty much said, hold my beer uh, to Trey Turner uh, as far as his approach to the plate. I, I don't know. I don't know where they go from here. I mean, I, hopefully this is just a, a, a short live for Nick, but uh, Jody, I know, I think you were kind of bearish on him going into the season. He had a good first half of the year, but like, I, I don't know what the next move after this is. If, if Nick can't hit in the number two spot, they just have a, a gaping hole there that they can't seem to fill. I'm raising my hand. I have, there's an there's an eager student with an answer he wants to give. You ready? Please, Jody. You know who I'm going to say. Bryson Stott, baby. And, the Stotter, Stottstein. I, I hear that, and I understand the logic behind it. Stottenheimer. It, it flies in the face of, and we've been you and I fighting with Philly Nation more so me than you. Uh, about whether Kyle Schwarber should be the leadoff hitter. And it's because they win. And it flies in the face of all analytics. And people don't care. I, I, I know what a leadoff hitter is supposed to look like, and it doesn't look like Kyle Schwarber. Get him the hell out of there. And they don't care about the fact that they just win a higher percentage of games when Schwarber's leading off. Here's the argument against start number two. Who's going to be batting leadoff? Schwarber. Well, apparently Schwarber. Who's going to be batting third? Yeah. Harper. Uh, yeah. You got three lefties in a row. You got three lefties in a row. Yeah. And I'm telling you, Topper's not going to do that. I know. He's just he's not, not going to do that because I know. you're going to be down four to three in the eighth inning, and it's going to be the top of the order, and they're going to bring in their best lefty reliever, and you're going to have three straight uh, spots where you're going to have to go. And you're not going to pinch hit for any of those guys. So I doubt highly he's putting three lefties in a row together. Yeah, well, okay. So my and and, I got to look up because I think Stott's hitting lefties really well this year, but I ought to look it up. Um, But, yes, I mean, again, I wouldn't bet Schwarber leadoff, but – We've we've had that discussion so many times. It's not. We don't need to go there. Tom, uh, what else you got? Best trade. Uh, Cliff Lee 1.0, I believe, was a 2009 acquisition by Amaro. I think they realized that Cole Hamels wasn't going to pull them all the way back to the World Series or bring in Cliff. And I think in those playoffs, he's what, 4-0? He had a pretty impressive stat line. I don't oh, think we get great. back to the World he was great. Him. Yeah, I want to let me look at that. Okay, he but, was traded. Uh, no, he was he was during the winter. No, no, no. That was no, that, that was the other one. Oh, the he, second Cliff Lee. So this is it was July 29th. Uh, actually, I was going to use this later on this week in Philadelphia sports history, but what the heck? It was uh, one day ago in 2009. He came along with that Ben Francisco to the Phillies for actually. Didn't work out that horribly for Cleveland. They got one guy who worked out well, which was not Jason Knapp or Jason Donald or Lou Marson. The guy they got that worked out well was Carlos Carrasco. Carrasco. He was good with them. He, yeah, had a good, he had so a good, good lengthy career. This year. Right. But but that was a great trade. That was a great Amaro trade. I, that, that, that's a good one. Well, well said, Tom. I appreciate that. Yeah, Ruben loved getting those starting pitchers. Yeah, he did. Loved it. They had a lot of good ones. And they talked about, uh, did you watch the game at all last night? They kept referencing Ruben, and this was the day, it just so happened, the day on yeah. the calendar, yeah. uh, a couple of days before. And this year it's Tuesday, the August 1st, so they pushed it back. It's usually the 31st. And right. Always has been, and Ruben would always jump up and make the deal yeah, a day or two it. ahead of time. 
Yes, 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 he would. Yes, that's exactly right. Love those days. God, they were so exciting. So maybe we got something. Uh, again, we'll talk to Scott Lauber at the top of the hour and uh, see if he sees what's cooking out there. Um, I want to just say uh, one thing on uh, Tuesday, August 8th. Jeez, that's coming up. Uh, whatever, about eight days. Ray Dinger and I are going to be at the Uptown Nower Performing Arts Center in Westchester. Talking about Ray's new book, his paperback off the press is One Last Read. Talking about the start of uh, Eagles training camp and well, the preseason and the NFL season ahead. There's a VIP reception at 6 with the program starting at 7. And his play Tommy and Me is returning to that theater in September. For information on all of that, go to Uptown. I'm sorry, go to info at uptownwestchester.org. Uh, one other thing I just want to mention real quickly, Jody. The NFL's attitude toward gambling has obviously changed a lot over the years, and um, there is now the the NFL is now going to be seen in casinos across the country. They have signed a deal with a slot machine company that is going to have NFL team themed slot machines mm-hmm. uh, in casinos around the country. Uh, the NFL Super Bowl jackpots machine is one of them. The gamblers pick their two favorite teams and press their luck on slots with the, in a football-friendly way. I, I just and, – and I'm, I'm fine with, with all of it except for one thing. This past week, they suspended another player for the year because he placed a bet, a legal bet, on a game but did it from the team's training facility last year, and so he's out for a year. I just – think that the league has to figure out either we're in with gambling or we're not, and you can't have it that the owners can get all this money from gambling, but a player who places a legal bet gets suspended for the year. It's just, it's not right, it's not fair, it's hypocritical. There is some hypocritical aspects to it. Uh, No one can deny that. I think there has been this hue and cry of how awful it is and the suspension to too harsh. They're worried about the integrity of the shield. So they're they're taking this very seriously. Could they have dropped the ball in making sure the players knew exactly what the rules were and what the punishment was going to be if you break the rule? Maybe. I, I think it's a team-by-team thing, and some teams probably did a better job than others. I'd suggest the Lions did quite Lions poorly the Colts, since they've yeah, had they, so yeah. many different players suspended. So that's on them, not on the league. Here's what got me about this week's uh, suspension. Apparently, the guy made the bet in, like, September, and they're acting on it now. And I don't know how they geotag this and are able to come up with the evidence to prove that he actually did what he's being accused of. But it took him this many months to figure it out. Either you have the technology to know who is or isn't breaking the rules or you don't. But they're getting the info nine months later. And the team went through the entire offseason and thought they were going to have this player yeah, and right. built their roster accordingly. Uh, and then point. they show up for Kim and go, oh, yeah, by the way, he's out eight games. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's that's very just point. wrong. That I agree with what you say, and but above and beyond that, you're right. They're worried about protecting the integrity of the shield. If you're worried about protecting the integrity of the shield, you don't have an NFL slot machine. Yeah, but that's a big check. Well, the- 
it's yes, it gets to my point. It's just it, you, you gotta you gotta figure out a ground where it's not like the owners can do whatever they want to make money off of legalized sports gambling, but the players just get whacked if they do what I would consider a misdemeanor. So there you have it. Or, but here's the thing. What's less than a mistake? They, they explain to everyone, despite Glenn Macno's evaluation and Jody McDonald's and everybody else's, it's not a misdemeanor. It's a major violation. You can't do this. And it's not like they need to take a course in it and put in 35 hours in a classroom to understand all the ramifications of what you can and can't do. It should be something pretty darn simple that you sit down and explain in a 45-minute meeting and you put out a handout and you underline and you highlight and this can't be done. It really isn't all that hard. The rules aren't all that restrictive. The player's got to be smart enough to be able to figure I, out what they can and can't do. I don't do. hold the player harmless. You're right in that I do not hold the players harmless. You're a dope if you did it. You're yes. a dope. I, I don't disagree with you. I just think there's got to be some degree of – I'm going to take one of my favorite things from my friend Jody McDonald. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. You said that to me for many years. Yes, I did. Yes, yes. that I still – right. we got, we got to get a break. Scott Lauber from the Inquirer is going to join us. Talk some Phillies trades. We'll take your calls, 215-592-9494. Jody Mack, Glenn Mack now. Sunday on 94 WIP. Nah, and since we're talking about it, you have no restrictions, ladies and gentlemen. You are not NFL players. Well, maybe one of the Eagles is listening to us right now, so you you can tune out, but come back. The Bed Park Sportsbook app, the only app that I recommend. It's the official sportsbook of the real Philly sports fans, and you can play it anywhere. Non-NFL player restrictions. Odds, bets, slots, games, it's all right there in the palm of your hand. Download it right now. Jump in with me. Uh, there are games to be wagered on on a daily basis. And right now you got the NFL future wages. Birds in training camp, perfect time to make an NFL futures bet. Eagles to win the Super Bowl this year. Right now they're the second choice. Kansas City currently at 6-1. to one. The Eagles at only 6.5-1. to one. Second team in the NFL. You can make a wager on the Eagles right now to win it all. Or you can bet individual player performances. Jalen Hurts' numbers, A.J. Brown's numbers. Join me. Download the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. And for you new customers, never played with uh, Parks before? Make your first bet a $10 one. If you win, get $125 in a bonus sportsbook bet back. Must be a winning bet, and the bonus bet must be wagered at once. It's all there. Spreads, games, parlays, and much, much more. Bet Park's an official betting operator of the PGA Tour. we got some big tournaments yet to play this year. If you're looking for some action with your action this summer, get it with the Bet Park Sportsbook app. Bases full, Marsh the batter, here's the pitch, swung on, line to center, that's a base hit, towards right center, one run will score, Stott is on his way home, Sawinski picks it up near the track, they're going to send JT to the plate, here's the throw, it's wide, and it's a three-run double for Brandon Marsh as the Phillies jump in front here in the top of the fourth, it's three to one. Well, that's from last night, and we know that Brandon Marsh did make a terrible play in center field, but he did have that three-run double, and it was just about a year ago when the Phillies picked him up from the Angels uh, in a late-season move. That was, I think, the Ohapi deal. Uh, Scott Lauber of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who knows all things baseball and trades, joins us now. 
That was the Ohapi deal, right? The it was it was Cindergard uh, for Moniac. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yep, okay. that's correct. Yeah, people kind of kind of mix those up because uh, they were both with the Angels, but they were actually separate trades. Right. And uh, you know, the the Marsh one, I wrote about it um, this week, and it's in today's Inquirer. You know, the Marsh one was to me was a super interesting deal at the time because it involved two. Um, two players who were controllable well beyond last year. And you normally don't see that at the deadline. You, you normally see uh, players, you know, walk your guys or guys on expiring contracts who they're the guys we talk about all the time. And when you see a deal like that, where it's two guys who are young players who are still ascending, it's, it, it was really kind of an interesting one. Agreed. Um, I know the Philly lineup has already come out. My partner is going to be upset because Bryson Stott is not in the starting lineup. Uh, so I'm sure he's going to get that at in a second. But here was something we kicked around in the first hour, and I, I need your opinion on this. Again, before we get to all the uh, will the Phillies make a deal or not, um, just a general Phillies question. Are you genuinely opposed to having three straight lefties in a lineup? If Stott were to move up to the number two hole and you were keeping Schwarbert lean off and you want to keep, uh, I think uh, you got to move Castellanos down past the lead, uh, the, the three spot if you've got him at two and he can't get any hits, you don't really want to put him three. What is your thought on the Phillies having three straight lefty batters in their lineup, Schwarber, Stott, and Harper at one, two, three? Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me, um, you know, amateur uh, a- amateur uh, baseball manager, um, <laughs> You know, uh, we, we all are, I would, aren't we, Scotty? I, I would, I would tell you, no, it doesn't bother me because the majority of the time, you're facing righties. Um, I don't know that I'd want to do it against a lefty per se, like they're facing today in Rich Hill. But I, I don't, I don't mind it myself um, if those three hitters happen to be your best three hitters at the time, um, as they are right now for the Phillies. Then, then yeah, I, I don't. But you know. Rob Thompson's the one who makes the lineup up every night, and we know he likes to separate his lefties. And um, so, if that means you know, if Schwarber's going to lead off and Harper's going to bat that third, if that means not batting a lefty in the middle, that's how it's going to go. So, I don't, I don't, I've never seemed to mind it, but I also think you know, I kind of agree with you guys. I think Bryson Scott should play every day, righty lefty doesn't matter. Um, I'm not as sold on Brandon Marsh yet. Uh, in that putting him in that category, but um, you know I, I I do, and we haven't talked to Rob Thompson yet today, so I'm sure that the lefty today will have will be the explanation. But um, Stott's got really good numbers against lefties this year. He should be playing every day. Right. So to that end, and you guys both referenced today's batting order, both of those guys, Stott and Marsh, are out as uh, Rich Hill, who is much uh, the left-handed pitcher, who's much tougher on lefties. Then righties goes for um, the – I'm sorry, I just lost my thing. The Guardians, I was going to call them what Pirates. they used to be. Yes, the Pirates, excuse me. There you go. Pirates. He used to pitch for the uh, – Rich Hill moves around so damn much. Uh, for the he Pirates. So it, yeah. it's uh, Schwarber, Castellanos, Harper, Alec Bohm, cleanup. Turner batting fifth today. Uh, Edmundo Sosa gets the start at third base. Josh Harrison gets the start at second batting seventh. Stubbs, the Sunday catcher, bats eighth. And Rojas, the young center field sensation, bats ninth. So, Scott, trade deadline is now 55, less than 55 hours away. Uh, what do you think Dave Dombrowski sees as a priority right now? I think the priorities are twofold. Uh, I think it's to find a right handed bat 
somebody to play left field. And they're out there, you know, for all the movement that we've seen here in the, you know, pre-deadline period, um, it's been mostly pitching, right? I mean, from, from Giolito to the Angels and Scherzer last night, um, you know, going to the Rangers and there have been some other ones here. Lance Lynn moved. It's been mostly pitching, not, uh, not hitters yet. I think there's a reason for that. I think it's because if you're the Red Sox and you're holding Adam Duvall or if you're the Mets and you're holding Tommy Pham or if you're the Rockies and you're holding Randall Grichuk, um, you know, I think it probably behooves you to wait until as close to 6 p.m. on Tuesday as possible to see if one of the buyers out there, like the Phillies, starts to get a little bit antsy um, at 6 o'clock Tuesday nears and gives you a better prospect than they would give you at, you know, 11 a.m. Sunday. So, um, you know, I kind of think that it's a seller's market out there um, in general and especially in the outfield market. So I think the sellers are kind of holding. I think that's priority number one for the Phillies. I think the second one is back-end starting pitching because, you know, if you remember last year, and they remember it well, that, that Zach Wheeler missed about a month um, late in the season with a minor injury, but one that they could afford to be, be careful with because they had pitching depth. You know, they could bring up Bailey Falter from AAA. They, could, uh, they picked up Noah Syndergaard at the trade deadline. They had Kyle Gibson uh, on the roster. That Zach Eflin was coming back. So um, they had some depth there. They, they lacked that this year. So if one of the big starters were to go down again, um, you know, it's a real problem. It's an issue for them. So I think they're looking for some help there. Now the question you have to ask if you're the Phillies in that pursuit is how much do you want to pay for insurance? Because whoever you get, I mean, unless, you know, now Scherzer's gone and Giolito's gone, I guess Stroman could go if the Cubs decide to sell. They're playing very, very well. Uh, lately and might think that they have a shot at a wild card. Um, but if Stroman goes, I guess he'd fit into that category. I mean, more of the the better starting pitchers are gone. So uh, what kind of prospect are you going to give up for a pitcher who you don't necessarily want to pitch for you in the postseason, but you might need that pitcher to help get you there? Um, name that I keep hearing is Michael Lorenzen from the Tigers. You know, oh, yeah. he was a guy that they had some interest in in the offseason – uh, ended up he ended up going to Detroit, and he's one of those guys. Like you know, he would fit in right now if you ask. You know, if they acquired him right now, he would be probably their number five starter. It would bump Christopher. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at the coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. 
Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Sanchez, who's pitched very, very well, into kind of more of a long reliever depth role, which is, again, is kind of what they, they lack. Um, but, you know, how much are you going to give up for a number five starter type? So who's having a good year, Lorenzen? So, um, you know, that's kind of the question that you ask there. And then I think beyond that, I could see them maybe pivoting, you know, if the starting pitching returns are a little higher for, than, than they're liking, I could see them pivoting to the bullpen, um, especially given how much Kimbrell and Soto have pitched. Uh, Alvarado is still a few weeks away from coming back. So I could see them making a pivot there and maybe trying to add to the back end of the bullpen and make your pitching staff stronger that way rather than giving up a, you know, uh, uh, an asset that you like for a starting pitcher who's going to be purely a rental and, and maybe a, a, a non-playoff pitcher at that. Let me ask you about a specific guy. And the only reason I'm bringing it up now is because the cards kind of fell uh, over the last couple of weeks. I mentioned Mike Clevenger about a month ago as a guy who I've always liked back when he was the Indians, a borderline Cy Young type guy, has had his fair share of injuries and then some, hasn't really panned out in San Diego, so they let him walk and the White Sox signed him to a contract this offseason. He's pitching pretty well, and of course he got hurt. He comes back off the disabled list yesterday, throws five shutout innings, He's not stretched out. He's not a guy you're going to uh, plug into your rotation in the, the September run and expect him to go eight innings. But I think he's a really good safety net guy. Do you think a guy like Mike Clevenger would interest Dave Dombrowski? Tell me this, Jody. What's his? Uh, is he signed beyond this year? I think he's got an option deal. I think that okay. uh, it's a club option for next year for like $12 million bucks but it's only a million-dollar buyout, something like that. I'll look it up for you right now. But I think he's got one more year to go, but I think it's team-controlled. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. It's, it's, uh, it's one, like I said, who, you know, probably um, you could afford to, you know, he would be your fifth starter right now. It would be a really good rotation. It is a really good rotation. It would be better with a guy like that, I guess, at the back. I think you've got to ask two questions, like what's the return? Because, Obviously, if there's another year of team control, the White Sox are going to want more than they got for, let's say, Lance Lynn, who does not have another year of control, as far as I, I if I'm getting that right. Or, you know, somebody like uh, like Lorenzen, who definitely does not have another year of control. He's free after this year. So, um, you, you know, they'd want more for him if, if you can control him. And then, you know, how much of an upgrade do you think he is over Sanchez right now? You know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not willing to um, – declare you know that i'm like a believer in chris sanchez just yet but he has pitched well and he has stabilized that fifth spot in the rotation that was such a problem early on um so again i guess the question comes back to the cost of insurance really i mean no one likes to no you know no one likes to buy insurance until they need it and uh 
So, you know, they don't need it right now. But if, if they were to lose somebody like for, you know, three weeks or a month, like they did with Wheeler last year down the stretch, they'd, they'd be happy to have that guy, whoever it is. We're talking to Scott Lowbury of the Inquirer. You can follow him on Twitter or, or whatever the hell they're calling it these days, at Scott Lauber, L-A-U-B-E-R. That's going to take a long time to make that change in my own mind. Um, so we're talking about pitching. We're talking about the future of pitching. Another mixed Aaron Nola start last night. He, Jody and I discussed he was certainly not helped by his defense, but, you know, it's – I need Aaron Nola to be the Aaron Nola I know he can be. Where do you think they stand on him moving forward? How much has he hurt his position moving ahead, if indeed he has? Yeah, it's a really fascinating question. I mean, look, as far as where they stand, they're they're where they are. I mean, they need Aaron Nola to be really good down the stretch. You know, he is um, someone they're counting on. Um, We've talked about this before. you know, he makes his start every fifth day like clockwork, you know, never gets hurt, um, totally reliable. And there's a lot of value in that for a lot of teams. You know, he's going to hit the free agent market, and, you know, he's probably going to be the leader in starts and innings since 2018 when he hits the market. Um, I think he would have to get injured here down the stretch, or he would have to miss some some, some time for that to not happen. Um, and, and there's going to be incredible value in that. So, no, it's not the walk year that he has, uh, you know, wants, or it's certainly not the best walk year that he could have had, not yet at least. Uh, but he's got two months. He's got two months to change some of that. And he still has the durability and he still has the, you know, the, uh, the, the quantity that, that uh, I think teams value still in starting pitchers. So I, I don't, he's, you know, maybe he's hurt his value a little bit. I think it's probably um, – the last two months of the season are going to have a big impact on that. And then perhaps postseason if he pitches in the postseason again. So um, I think, I don't think the verdict's in on that quite yet, but no, I, I think, I think, you know, um, it, it's been inconsistent. That's the word he uses a lot to describe his year this year. You know, he's had some really good ones. He's had ones like last night that were clunkers. He did was not helped by his defense last night, but also, you know, he's Aaron Nola and he's got to pitch over that a little bit. And he's facing a Pirates lineup that has, I'll be honest with you guys, four guys, the bottom four guys in their lineup last night, I think had 33 combined hits in their career coming into the game. And I'm not sure I'd heard of three of them before we got here on uh, on Friday. So yeah, the one kid got um, his first hit of his career last night. I saw yeah, that. yeah, uh, the shortstop. So, I mean, you know, th- that was that was a part of the lineup that, that hurt Aaron Nola last night. I think those four hitters went five for nine against him with a home run. So, uh, I'm sorry, you got to get those guys out and pitch over your defense a little bit. All right, Scotty, we filled a couple calls in this last week. I did on my Monday and Tuesday night shows, um, specifically after the Monday loss, uh, which I just didn't buy. You're, you're more well-suited to answer this question to me because you're there every single day, clubhouse afterwards, before a game on the field and the like. Do you think this team plays unmotivated? or unfocused, some people are taking shots at uh, the manager because he doesn't have them motivated or focused. Do you think that's an issue with this team? I don't think so, but I do understand where that comes from. You know, I, when they were really struggling early in the year, I was talking to a lot of players about, you know, uh, the, the, the question of, you know, uh, of, of remaining steady and remaining calm and leaning on the experience of last year when they were 22 and 29 and fired their manager and everybody had sort of given up on them and they had a really, you know, they played 
to whatever it was, a 92 win or 95 win level, whatever the number was from then on and wound up making the playoffs, right? That's an experience that they had together as a, as a team that they could certainly lean back on when they were, when they were whatever their low point was, um, 25 and 31, um, or, or, the, or they could press the panic button, right, and, and start freaking out about it. And I think it's human nature to say, hey, look, you know, we're not trying to start slow, but it happened again, and, you know, it worked out for us last year, and we can lean on having done that. And, you know, a lot of players, Kyle Schwarber and, and uh, Bryce Harper, and a lot of players were saying, like, you know, that that was a valuable experience last year. And so, no, they, they're, not, they're not passive. They're not sitting back and saying, well, it happened last year. It'll happen again. They want to change it. But also, um, having gone through that last year, that's like, that's, like a, that's like something that they can draw from. So I think that there is a fine line there. I don't think it's happening right now. Um, I, I don't think you're seeing that. I do think the manager is uh, extremely calm. It's just his personality. He's extremely even-keeled. Um, one thing he likes to do is keep the lineup as static as possible because if he's in there every day and he's changing the lineup, I think it's perceived in not just this clubhouse, but every major league clubhouse as the manager's starting to freak out and players don't respond well when the manager freaks out. So, you know, maybe he does have a little bit of a longer rope with some guys when they're struggling in certain spots in the order. And I know when that lineup comes out every day, people, you know, go crazy about, you know, why is Trey Turner still batting second? Or, you know, like today, why does he have Castellanos back up there? Well, it was one day for Castellanos in the two-hole, and if he pulls him out of there today just because the guy went over 5 yesterday, I don't think Rob Thompson thinks that's a real good look uh, in the clubhouse. So that's just kind of how he is, um, and that's not going to change, I don't think. So, um, you know, there is a perception of, of, of a team being passive when it doesn't make crazy changes. I don't think that's the case here. I do think that they're drawing on their experience from last year that they did earlier in the season, at least. I mean, they, they turned it around again with a, with a really good June. And um, I think since the beginning of June, they still have the second best record in, in the national league behind the Braves. So, um, you know, it's hard to argue with the way they played since uh, the start of June. And I, I think they did draw on last year's experience to help get them through that. Mm-hmm. Scott Lauber of the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. We look forward to you writing about some blockbusters uh-huh. in the next few days. Maybe. Juan Soto, right? Is that the yeah, one maybe that, that, that one's around. not happening. The Padres are actually playing well. They're, they're yeah. not uh, trading. No, anything. I agree. Uh, I mean, the Padres are playing well. The Cubs are playing well. So maybe Yeah, Cody I know Bellinger. Bellinger, who's the guy I really would yeah. love to get. Anyway, uh, Scott, uh, a pleasure. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Sure thing, guys. Anytime. All right, thank you, Scotty. There you go. All right, uh, let's take a break. We come back. One of my absolute favorite people in the world, Linda from Bala, is calling. Chris as well. Everybody else is invited. 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Let us talk to the great Linda in Bala. How are you, Lenny? Hello, sweetie pies. I can hardly hear you. Oh, well, we hear you just fine. Well, that's wonderful. Glenny, I called you. I needed some advice. You know what? I'm sorry. Call me later today. Give me a buzz. You called me. I was was on the beach with my phone put away, so call me later today. (laughs) I don't want to hear no excuses here. I apologize. Uh, First thing, but when I think of trade deadline, I think of Jason Stark. I have this love affair with this guy, and I never even met him. Anyway, 
Texas is loading up. Uh, my wants, oh, I'm probably going to laugh at me, Jody. I want David Bedner from the Pirates. Mm, he was good last night. Yeah, Got the double play when he needed it. I want uh, Randall Gritchick. And I, I wish he'd leave the, my Brycey at first base. If you've seen this lineup today, Glenny, you're liable yeah. to take the gas pipe. No, this is a horrible lineup. <laughs> it's it is that it is that Sunday lineup, and it's against the, the the crafty lefty. And you're right, I don't like it at all. I don't need to see more Josh Harrison, no matter who's pitching. I hear you. No, uh, I don't either. Um, but uh, I just I I also like Tommy Pham. I'd like to just uh, Gritchick and Fam and Bednar. That's what I want. No, that's it. It, it, Linda, you're like an eight-year-old on Santa Claus's lap here. I know. I know it's a lot. Well, we're not going to get Bellinger because Texas wants him. And you know how Texas is, and I love them, by the way. I've loved them since they Jody, if you're the Cubs, Jody, are you telling people – we don't want to talk about Bellinger. We don't want to talk about Stroman. We're playing really well. Our fans, you know, deserve to see us give it our best shot to go for the playoffs. I think absolutely, three absolutely, absolutely not. But here's what you do if you're the general manager of the Cubs. You over-ask. You tell them, listen, we're still in this. We're, we're really not looking to move Cody Bell. So if you want to give us player X, and player X is another team's best prospect, or two players' top prospect, you over-ask. And if the team blatantly wants to overpay, then you pull the trigger. But if not, then you can at least say, hey, we stayed open-minded about these things. We were uh, contemplating doing it, and we just we turned down the other team when you know, in fact, that they turned you down on your over-the-top ask. But, but you continue the conversation. If you're the Cubs general manager, you're, you're in a good position right now. you got a little leverage. Yeah. Lenny, we got a little run, but we love you. Call, you can call me later if you need to. All right, honey. I All love right. you. Bye. All right. See ya. See ya, Lynn. I got a question for you, Mac. Yeah. Which were you more afraid of? Hearing from Linda when you realized you didn't call, return her call immediately, or the sharks? <laughs> you know. You know I've had a thing since I first saw Jaws. We've discussed this, I know, over the years. Uh, uh, and they did. Uh, there was a shark sighting, not not where the beach I am, you know, oh. like down the coast. Uh, they, they, you realize they can swim up and down the coast. That they they may be spotted in another beach, but could get to your beach with little swim time included. Is it, I didn't think about that. Uh, I will face the nah. Lenny's a sweetheart. I I thought of you when I saw that story that yeah. sharks were spotted on Cape Cod. I'm it's, going, oh my god! Mac now might not be able to do the show Sunday. He's going to get eaten. And it is so ridiculous because that movie came out forty something, close to fifty years ago, and it's like I've been in the ocean literally hundreds of times since then, hundreds my and hundreds of times. And I have never, nothing bumped, nudged, seen, no fin, nothing. But, Jody, there's not a time I go in the water when I don't look around and just say, like, okay. And the other thing I do, and I make sure, I know this is going to sound terrible, I make sure there's always one person out deeper than I am. Yeah, that's that's smart. No, that's not that. that that's been just being a smart swimmer. I, Sorry, I've buddy, been known, the sharks I've been known to do the same exact thing, Glenn. And uh, Carol saw the story, and she goes, you going to text Glenn? 
You, you make sure he's uh, not eaten by a shotgun. I said, no, I will wait till Sunday, and I'll talk to Glenn on the air. Yeah. I don't want to call him during his vacation or even yeah. bother checking him during his vacation. If he gets eaten, I'll find out about it soon enough. They're out there. There's no question about it. They're out there. Chris joins us uh, from Clinton. Hello, Chris. Hello. It's a hard act to follow coming after Linda from Ballard. I thought yes, about man. introducing my call by calling you guys my sweetie pies, but I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> Uh, so I have um, my, my Phillies wish list, like Linda. I don't have specific names. I think she knows baseball better than anyone. But uh, Bednar is an interesting name. Um, I didn't like how he made the – if he were on the Phillies, I didn't like how sketchy he made the ninth inning. But he's had a great season. So just in general, uh, bullpen depth, I think, is um, a big thing to, to add to this team at the deadline. And I think Dombrowski would do a pretty good job. Um, I think it's the easiest thing to get, right? I think that's what you could shake more. You know, starting pitching insurance is good. Um, The cost of those guys is high. To add a right-handed hitting outfielder, and Scott Lauber talked about how it's really a seller's market with that. To me, Jody, you you can always – we talked about this. uh, Actually, I talked about it with Mike Sielski. I apologize. It's like adding that late-season fifth or sixth defenseman in the NHL. You can always find one of those guys. The Justin Bronze of the trade market, yeah. Yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> now, on the, the, Eagles, the guys who, uh, and I will make a reference that Jody knows and maybe you knows, the guys who will always fill up a spot or two in Immaculate Grid. There you go. Exactly. exactly Been there, yeah. done that, elsewhere. Right. So, on the Eagles, I do think they're the best team in the NFC. The one thing that I got to say is I got to see them beat. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys when Dak's healthy. I haven't seen it happen since, I think, the 2019 uh, division clinching game, um, which is four years ago now, you know, and Dak wasn't healthy in that game. So um, I don't want to sound like I'm scared of the Cowboys. I know that's how it's coming off, but um, I, it's just been so long, you know. I haven't seen him beat him with, with Dak in there, and I really do need to see it to feel confident about the division. I just hope that the Eagles and the Cowboys play twice this year and both starting quarterbacks are healthy for both teams. Because last year the Eagles beat the Cowboys without Dak and the Cowboys beat the Eagles without Hurts. I want both of those guys on the field when those two teams match off this year. Good point. Uh, Exactly. What is the – and we kind of got away from this, but you can bring us back to it – the best in-season acquisition you remember for a Philadelphia team? So I'll have a fun one. I love the guy that's sort of just like a throw into a trade and then ends up making an impact. And so my guy is uh, Ben Francisco, who came along with Cliff Lee, who's sort of the afterthought, but he had a few great years on those um, playoffs. Yeah, well, I think Bench it's the player, other guy. role player. Thanks. <laughs> he did. He hit. A, I think he hit a good, an important home run in the postseason. But yeah, it's Cliff Lee, man. I, I see what the caller's yeah, point is. is. Yeah, it's not the lead it. dog, but it's maybe the more fun dog. Yeah. 215-592-9494. Coming back this week in Philadelphia sports history. Speaking of some trades, some big, big ones uh, on this date this week uh, in the history of our town. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Pretty well hit to center field. And it is off the glove of Murray. Watch Bobby. It could be an inside-the-park home run. Vukovic is waving him on. Here he comes. He's safe. An 
God, I love hearing Harry Callis. Uh, just great. Jody McDonald, Glenn McEnough. And Jody, I played that. This is not the anniversary of that. That actually occurred in August 2000. I do not remember that. Do you remember that That inside the Parker to win a game? Yeah. You do? Okay. Yeah. Because oh. I was an Abreu guy. And he was one of those guys who you were either with him or against him. That either people just couldn't stand him because he was a bad outfielder and he was afraid to run into walls and he's not our type of player. Or you were a guy who looked at the numbers and said, how can you question this? All he does is produce. He was one of those lightning rod guys. And I took the production over the fact that he wouldn't sacrifice his body running into a wall. Uh, So I was an Abreu guy. So, yeah, I, I, I got a pretty good memory of most of his big plays. He was he was an accumulator of numbers. There is no doubt. But today happens to be the anniversary of when he was traded away. It was 2006, so that's 17 years ago. Pat Gillick trades Bobby Abreu to the Yankees for four guys who never did anything. By the way, it was Abreu and Corey Lytle uh, later died in a plane crash for. C.J. Henry, Carlos Monteserios, Jesus Sanchez, and Matt Smith. Man, what a lineup of players that is. <laughs> I can't tell you anything about those guys. Uh, but it was it was a it, it really was a giveaway. In a sense, it was a salary dump too. But what it proved to be was the chance and part of it because they moved other guys as well. Lieberthal had to go and. Um, Oh, who's the outfielder? Lofton, I guess. I don't remember. They had some other outfielder was, was here that they had, and they were kind of moving all those guys. Randy Wolf, and you needed the next era of players to get their opportunity, not just to play, but to kind of direct the clubhouse. So it was the chance for Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard and Chase Utley and those mm-hmm. guys to kind of be like, okay, you are now the Phillies. And it proved to be a really good year because that was 2006. And, of course, 2007 they make the playoffs, and then 2008 they win the World Series. If that was the motivation behind it, and uh, certainly Pat Gillick has talked about it over the years, and he certainly uh, said that was part of the line of logic as to the deals they made. Yeah, it worked, plain and simple. Even if you look at the deal, oh, my God, they got absolutely nothing in return. That's a terrible deal. No, there was more to it. You're right. And uh, if you just look at the results, if you believe it, and you had to be in the clubhouse to be part of it, to see the leadership change, uh, to actually confirm that that was the case, yeah, it absolutely worked. By the way, my source for all this is always This Day in Philadelphia Sports by Brian Startari and Kevin Reavy, which is a really good book. Um, Shall I say, rarely leaves my bathroom, if you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, Also, Days kind of closest this week in Philadelphia sports history. And uh, the year 2000, Ed Wade trades Kurt Schilling to the Diamondbacks for Travis Lee, Omar Dahl, Vicente Padilla, and Nelson Figueroa. I think we can write that one as an L. Uh, you know that Travis Lee was brought up on my show earlier this week? <laughs> we used to call him Travis T. Uh, for a very specific reason, because uh, Bryce Harper has made the transition to first base. And I acknowledge that it's been a while since the Phillies have had a really good fielding first baseman. 
Uh, Reese Hoskins, chief among them. Ryan Howard, never really a good fielder. It's been a while since they've had a guy at first base that could pick it. And I said, I remember Phillies. You got to go back a little bit. You millennials might not remember, but they had two guys in the 80s, 90s into Can 2000. Can I name the other one? Yes. Rico Bronia? Rico Bronia. Those yeah, were the two names that I referenced. Yeah, yeah, Travis Lee could flat out pick it at first base, yeah. and Rico Bronia was really good defensively at the bag. And Rico actually had one or two good offensive years. Um, also, uh, let me see what I can give you. In the year 2002, the guy got into the Hall of Fame last week, Scott Rowland, got traded on the 29th, so that would have been yesterday, uh, in return for, to St. Louis, of course, for reliever Mike Timlin, who left as a free agent at the end of the year, uh, Bud Smith, who actually had thrown a no-hitter with St. Louis but didn't do anything, and Placido Polanco, although that was the first mm-hmm. of two go-rounds for Polanco. So, again, uh, what what you learn in these cases is when you trade the star for the, the prospects, sometimes it works and sometimes... Right. The return wasn't great, but again, more to it than meets the eye. Scott yeah. Rowland didn't want to be here. And yeah. you and I have talked enough about Scott Rowland with him getting into the Hall of Fame as to whether he should be remembered fondly or not here in Philadelphia. I, get, I don't hold it against guys and their attitude. I judge them much more by what they did or didn't do on the field. Um, I just didn't think uh, Scotty actually had an all-inclusive Hall of Fame career. But I didn't uh, – I, I wasn't mad when he decided, listen, I just would like to please go somewhere else and play somewhere else. And that happens from time to time, and it happened with Schilling. Schilling didn't want to be here anymore, and I understood where he was coming from. He had a great career here in Philadelphia, and, oh, by the way, he kind of helped the Diamondbacks when he went out there. Yeah, it did very well. Uh, let's talk to Lou. You're on with Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack. Now, hello, Lou. Hey, guys. How's it going? How are you? I got a question for you guys. Um, I'm starting to feel a little bit like the the top five guys are, are losing their confidence. Maybe not Bryce Harper. Harper, he's always confident. But uh, last night when it was 3-0, you know, top of the ninth, and I think Ruben Amaro said, you know, I'm – Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
all with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. I'm giving him the green light to Riamuto. And the pitch was fastball right down the middle. He took it. Now he could have easily just hit that into a double play, and we would have been, what the hell are you swinging at 3-0? But then he lunged a 3-1 and did get into a double play. I'm just worried about the team losing its confidence. Turner's definitely lost his confidence. I mean, you could tell. And I, I, I just want Marsh to be up in the lineup. I would put him second if I could. Um, I know uh, – Thompson said he wanted to give Castellanos better pitches to see, so putting him in front of Harper. But what do you guys think? I'm starting to think, you know, it, it's it's not looking good. And and I want to make the playoffs, and I know what Thompson's I, I, thinking. He I wants think to get the uh, on track, right? Now, hold on. I think you're panicking a little bit. Yes, some of those guys are playing very poorly, most especially Turner. But this team still over the last month has one of the better records in baseball. I, I don't I don't think this is a team losing its confidence. All right, good. Talk me off the ledge, Glenn. There you Thank go. you. That was, <laughs> I, I that was easy. But, what uh, else can we do? But, Your uh, marriage okay? Uh, uh, <laughs> job? Can we solve anything else for you? Yeah, can you do all my work for me this week coming up so I can take off now? Uh, last question. Um, I, I know Goldschmidt, Bellinger. I don't know if I would give up a ton to get those guys because I don't think it's a World Series team. But um, I do think – I know yesterday you mentioned bullpen help. Is there anything they could do to get um, some good bullpen help? Because I know guys are injured, like um, uh, Dominguez or uh, yeah. Well, so you, you and, don't know uh, what you're going to get Alvarado. out of Sir, Sir Anthony and, and Alvarado, and I and Jody. I, a caller threw out names before. I don't know names. I haven't looked at names of relievers, but I do think that's the the most easily obtainable thing. Agreed, and uh, shame on both of us. We had Scotty Lauber on. And we had other questions we wanted to ask him. Only keep him so long. I've heard nothing about Alvarado. We know Sir Anthony is back at one okay outing, one not-so-great outing. Uh, I think that uh, he, he's going to need to give them something over the last two months of the year, and uh, maybe I'm a cockeyed optimist, but I believe that's going to happen. But I, I'd love some updated information on Alvarado. Well, when you is come he to coming the right back? place. You ready? Okay, give it to me. Uh, the last report on Wednesday played catch from 60 feet away. Like I said, I'd like some updated information on Alvarado. Sunday, we're talking about playing catch from 60 feet away. That's right. Yeah, that, in other words, don't bank on him. If, if, if that needle needs to be moved between now and 6 o'clock on Tuesday, you can't put up, oh, well, Alvarado will be back. Alvarado will be this. Alvarado, you don't know. Alvarado yep. is a major question mark. Yep. So that's why a bullpen piece is something that Dombrowski should be looking to add. Uh, lefty as well. Yep. All right. Let's go to Rick and Easton. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hello, Rick. Hey, my friend. Uh, real quick, uh, did you get the answer for rubber game? No. Okay. 
that inside of a baseball used to be a rubber Super Bowl. And back in the day, if you won a series, you, were, you get to take your bat and your ball and go to live another day. So they used the rubber, keeping a rubber ball, which is the inside of a baseball, and they eventually call it getting the rubber game because we used to use rubber balls also. Instead of playing with wooden balls or clay balls, we played with rubber balls. And so baseball adopted the rubber game for that. Are you making this up? No, I'm not. No, I, I did. I looked it up. The origin of rubber game, and it goes back to 16th or 17th century England, which I didn't know and don't really necessarily there, so buy. So real quick, um, let's not forget about I'm Tommy impressed. Hutton being a guy who could pick it at first base. The only guy I could hit, though, was Tom Seaver, which is funny. That was an amazing thing, Just just, and it, that really goes back a long way before we were talking about But Tommy Hutton who uh, later became a broadcaster with the Marlins, was a utility first baseman, which you don't see a lot of those, and he couldn't hit worth a damn, except he, he had, like, career 480 off of Tom Seaver. <laughs> yes, right? he did. Two <laughs> yeah. players I'd like to see them get before I get to them, though. Don't forget, we got Randy, we got Randy Reddy and John Crook in the middle of June for Chris James. Crook yeah. was in season. That's right. Yeah. He was in season. We got him in June, and boy, was he a nice find for that uh, eight, for that uh, '93 team. That's pretty good. Two players. Also, let me just say, yeah. uh, was it Dykstra and McDowell for Juan Samuel? Yes. Was that I in season I was two? Barbecuing, right. There was somebody else in that deal, but that's what I remember it, and it worked out to be. And I loved Juan Samuel, but it worked yeah, out sure to be did. a great deal. Yeah. The two players that I would like to see that are notches below the Bellingers and the Sotos, which we're not going to get, is I, we still need that right-handed guy that, can, that has power. And I don't know how difficult this is going to be, but Lane Thomas from the Nationals or Spencer Torkelson, who plays first base for the Tigers, why can't we try to figure out a way to get either one of those two guys? I would say Torkelson's been a disappointment. He was, the, I believe, the number one overall pick, either one or he two. He was. He's a 15, 56, and a 55-run guy right now, and he's only getting paid $730,000 a year. Yeah, but why would the Tigers uh, give up a player like that? Because he's been the there ball. for five years, and they're not going to build around a player like that. By the way, Glenn, real quick, have you seen the offer yet, the 10, the ten episodes? I did. I actually watched it on, a, on the plane coming back from France. It made me get Got the, me through the whole trip and actually read the book now for the first time, although I saw the movie 200 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was good. I did learn a lot from the offer. Some of it was kind of cheesy, but in a fun way. It was way. pretty cool, though. Yeah, right, guys, it was. Great job. We'll keep up the good work. We'll talk Thank soon. you. Appreciate Thank you very it, much. By the way, I have a really good show to recommend to you, Jody. Um, uh, Rhea Hughes recommended it to me, and I kind of binged it. I still have three episodes to go this week. Uh, Deadlock on Amazon Prime, which is a spin on, uh, I would say, British cop shows, except it's Australian. And um, the spin is that, it, first of all, it's kind of – Dark, half dark comedy, half cop show, and the cops are women and the victims are all men. Really, that yeah, is different. It's really good. It's, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying this show. The only problem is the Australian accent. It's actually Tasmania, but the accents are so strong. I have to put on the um, the closed caption. Do you use it? The closed caption. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, have, I see, have but I, I, I hate doing that. I know. I, hate it. I just I get hate it. it. I get it, but they start oiking and boiking, and I, I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, sometimes. I'm out. 
<laughs> I'm out. You're out. I'm out. I'm not watching it. You Nothing know, bothers me more than having to read closed caption. I like having it on the bottom of the screen, just in a specific line. I want to look like back up. But, yeah, just uh, safety net. Exactly right. But if I have to read more than listen, I'm out. Oh, yeah, I use it a bit. On this, on this, I use it a bit. There's no question. So, all right, well, you're out. So I'm out. There you go. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Rhea. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure she'll be okay. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we're going to talk uh, Eagles camp with our pal Jeff McClain of the Philadelphia Inquirer and take your calls all uh, leading up to leading off uh, at 1230 as the Phillies take on the Pirates in the Going back to the 1600s, rubber game of the series right here on 94 WIP. On first down, Lawrence turns, hands it off, and there is nothing there as the big man, Jordan Davis, spills Travis Etienne. He spills Etienne. Well, Merrill Reese and Mike Quick didn't get to call a whole lot of great Jordan Davis plays last year as the rookie had a couple injuries and didn't uh, give the season maybe people had hoped out of the first-round draft pick. But this is year two. And our pal Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer, he is Jeff underscore McLean on Twitter, is down at practice and. Wrote a little bit about Jordan Davis yesterday. First of all, Jeff, always a pleasure to talk to you. Appreciate very much you taking the time. And second of all, Jordan Davis in a rush is something that you wrote about yesterday. Uh, yeah. Hi, hi, Glenn. Hi, Jody. Good to see you hey, guys. Jack. Yeah. Not see you guys. Talk to you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jordan Davis. I mean, I think that's the <clears throat> one of the big questions kind of coming into camp is can the Eagles' former first-round draft pick – deliver upon that promise. And, you know, I thought uh, as a rookie before the injury, he was doing what you want him to do as a, as a nose, nose tackle in run situations, clock in the middle, taking up blockers and allowing other guys to make plays. Uh, and then of course, as you mentioned, Glenn, he got hurt and maybe kind of, you know, lost his way a little bit in terms of playing time and just didn't maybe perform the way he had pre-injury. But I, you know, I think the Eagles know this and, and he knows this as well. I mean, to really justify that high of a draft pick, he's going to have to be a guy that, that contributes on on both the run and pass. And he didn't do much of that in Georgia. That's not to say that he can't do it here, obviously. Um, they think he has the, the skill set to do it. They obviously got the size um, to kind of uh, push back, bull rush guys. But there's a lot more to it than that. And it'll be interesting to see um, you know, how that plays out. Um, it's a, to me, it's one of the biggest questions coming into camp. All right, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong here, but as per the reporting of you guys, you beat guys who are down there every single day, Christian Ellis must be slipping. Didn't have an interception in the last practice the Eagles had. I know <laughs> people are getting excited because he's come up with a couple of picks and sevens, in, sevens on sevens. He's flashed. I give him credit for it. Is that going to be enough for Howie Roseman to say, yeah, we don't need another linebacker? What are your thoughts on Christian Ellis and how much he's going to contribute to the Birds this year? Yeah, Ellis was an interesting guy because last year he wasn't on. I mean, he wasn't active for a long time. In fact, I don't think he was on the 53-man roster. And then finally they put him on the 53 because they knew they needed help on special teams. And he came on, and he really instantly helped that unit. So I think his spot on the roster is secure because you need you you need guys like that who are devoted um, to special teams play. But sometimes those special teams guys they kind of uh, don't get the opportunities on defense and. 
He's uh, kind of stood out a little bit uh, in the spring. He had a couple of uh, interceptions with two open practices to the media. He had one here early in camp. Uh, and he's gotten reps with the first team. Now, for the most part, it's been the Kobe Dean as the Mike and um, Nicholas Morrow as the weak side linebacker. But uh, Christian's got some um, reps in, in place of Morrow. And, you know, he's made, made a few plays here and there. There's one today I thought that uh, showed maybe why the Eagles could have trouble putting him in there. He just, it was a two-way go. It's a tough route for him. But DeAndre Swift kind of like just totally blew by him and, and kind of crossed in. He was chasing the whole time. I mean, that's going to happen. This is what camp's for. So I don't want to make a bigger deal out of it. Just I don't want to make a bigger deal out of the interceptions that he's made so far too. Right. But to answer your, your big picture question, I still feel like that's a, a primary position that Howie Rosen's going to be scouring, whether to make a look at trade, whether when rosters are cut down to add another piece, because the depth there, not only do you have a guy in Nicobe who's never started there, Morrow is someone who's coming, you know, coming off injuries. So there's some question marks there. And then really no one else beyond that uh, has been a regular. So you, there's, there's certainly not a lot of experience at that position. So, um, I think Howie, even in spite of the way Christian has played, uh, will continue to look at that position. All right, I've heard you mention the name Nicobe Dean twice in that last answer. Uh, he's a guy who we have heard in the offseason. Again, like Jordan Davis last year, rookie, didn't play a lot, really didn't play hardly at all, like 20 snaps or something on defense all year. But the talk is they're really going to count on him. He's going to be the guy who's calling the signals on the defense and so on. What are, Jeff McClain, what do you think are fair expectations for him this second year? Yeah, I just got done talking to Kobe. And, you know, I remember last year at the beginning of camp, he didn't really stand out. And, you know, and that was to be expected. There's a lot going on for a first-year player, a lot to learn, especially at that position. And they were grooming him to be the eventual Mike. Um, you know, T.J. Edwards was that guy last year. He did a very good job in that role. He left via free agency. It's not really a position Eagles are accustomed to paying. But they had drafted, uh, you know, Nakobe in the third round, a guy that maybe a lot of people thought should have been drafted in the first round. So this is his opportunity, um, and, he, and, he's, and he's finally getting it. In terms of expectations, um, he's a smart guy. He did it at the highest level in college. You know, maybe is he a little undersized? But I think, you know, maybe are there questions about the injuries, about maybe certain types of athleticism? Absolutely, but... I trust Nakobe as young as he is to kind of at least handle the call playing and knowing where to be part. Um, I watched a lot of him today. You know, Dallas Goddard has often been his assignment. That's a tough assignment for anybody, a Pro Bowl linebacker, let alone a guy. And I thought there were times he, he looked like he was up for the challenge. So certainly there were t times when he was getting beat and he, and he uh, had trouble with Dallas. But I've seen him jump on plays. I've seen him, um, you know, get guys into the right spot. Um, but that, all that being said, he's never done it before on a regular basis in the NFL. So I think the bar has to be – I think our expectations have to be kind of, um, you know, not too high. Um, but I don't, think, I don't think it's going to be low. And if it's going to be low, then, you know, the Eagles are going to understand that they're going to have to make a move and bring someone else in. Jeff, just the other day the Eagles brought back Dennis Kelly uh, years after the fact. He's now back in the fold and one of the veteran Eagle offensive linemen, and he's going to be a backup tackle for the Eagles for sure this year. What impact, of any, as dominoes fall, does that have on the starting right guard position? Any, in your opinion, 
completely different issue. Uh, positionally, they don't overlap. How do you think Del- Dennis Kelly's readdition to this team? Is Kelly even a lock to make the team? How do you think it affects who's going to start at right guard? Yeah, another guy I just got done talking to. It was good seeing Dennis. Uh, very busy him. there, Jeff. You're talking to everybody. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to get some guys in before I talked to you guys. But, uh, yeah, it's good seeing him, a guy I covered early in his career. And, you know, if you guys recall in 2012, his rookie season, they had they were decimated by injuries on the offensive line, and Kelly was forced into the guard spot um, by Howard Mudd, and he liked him. He actually put him in there ahead of some other guys he thought should have been there. Um, so he has some versatility. Now, he said, he explained after he left the Eagles, it was almost primarily tackle where he played, and that's where he's drafted. And if you look at him, he is, he's a tackle. But to be a backup, you have to be ready to play any of those spots. I don't think he's going to factor much into that competition of right guard. I mean, it's Cam Jurgens' job to lose, and Tyler Steen, the, the rookie that they drafted in the third round, will probably be the second guy. Maybe Jack Driscoll, if, you're, if you have to force someone into that spot. He's played there before, uh, although he's been more tackle um, the last few years. Uh, Dennis, um, you know, with the departure of Andre Dillard, uh, you needed probably a little addition at the tackle spot. Uh, now, Tyler Steen played tackle in college. I mean, that's primarily what he did. So it's not like he can't do that. Uh, they project him as a guard. But, again, all those reserves have to be play, willing to play almost anywhere along the line. And, Dennis, um, you know, I, I think there's a good chance he'll make the roster. Uh, I, I still have to see more of these you know, undrafted rookies that they brought in. Uh, we haven't, they haven't even more pads yet. They haven't even had one-on-ones yet. And of course, they haven't had the preseason yet. So it's a long way here before, we decide, you know, before I can make predictions about who's going to make the, you know, the last few spots in the roster or not. But Dennis Kelly certainly 12 years in the league. He started – a number of times he's done it before and he gives you kind of that swing tackle versatility that you want from your sixth or seventh, uh, uh, excuse me, from your third or fourth tackle. Jeff McClain of the Philadelphia Inquirer is, is our guest. Follow him on Twitter X at Jeff underscore McClain. So um, the running back situation throughout the league is, is fascinating. By the way, I saw that uh, Zeke Elliott uh, came to the Patriots yesterday and may sign with the Patriots, which would have the Eagles. Yeah, remember him. all that talk about the Eagles? <laughs> yeah, was ridiculous. Yeah, well, that was, but it would it would have him playing against the Eagles in Week One if it plays out that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw yesterday. Maybe, maybe I saw that you had written this. I apologize, I didn't uh, cite the writer, but the Eagles' cap spending on running back this year is seven point one million dollars. Jake Elliott is going to take more in cap space, twice as much in cap space as their top running back. Uh, which really speaks to what's happening all over the league. So I will ask you, they let Miles Sanders leave. They brought. They now have a, 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 a platoon, a roster of Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell coming back, and, and everybody's favorite giant killer, Boston Scott. How do you think it plays out this year? Who gets the, uh, I, I don't know if it's a majority, maybe it's just a plurality of carries. Yeah, it's going to be by committee. Um, we, it's always been it's always by by committee nowadays. Essentially, although Miles got the majority of the, the reps last year, you still saw a good sh- uh, share of uh, Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott. Uh, but I think with you know obviously look at contract situations, but just you know the personnel um, that they have. You have Rashad Penny, who's more of a you know between between the tackles runner, not doesn't do much out of the backfield catching the catching the ball. Um, so you'll see him in a lot of those situations. Then you have DeAndre Swift, who can do a little bit of everything. Um, one of the better uh, pass-catching running backs in the NFL. So you probably see a little more him, a little more of him doing that. Kenny Gainwell, uh, same thing. Although you know they drafted Kenny thinking he'd be like that Naheem 
uh, Heinz guy that the that Nick Sirianni had with the Colts in terms mm-hmm. of uh, catching the ball, and that really hasn't been the case. He's been better, I thought, I think, as a runner. Now, some of that has to do probably with you know, Jalen Hurts and the, and, the, and the threat that he poses on the ground and having one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in the NFL. Um, but I think you're going to see it by, by committee. I mean, my guess, I think just because DeAndre Swift can, can do it all more than uh, Penny, is that he'll get probably the – majority i mean you know the slight majority maybe of of uh, touches and, and snaps um but again i think the way that they built this thing up is it's going to be by committee and um and i think that's kind of you know aside, unless you're gonna have a really special guy at that position and you're willing to pay him i think that's the way the you know the eagles will continue to address that position uh as they go forward all right, I'm going to run this one by you, Jeff McLean, and your opinion is one that I value. So if you call me an idiot, I'll, I'll take uh, the shot. But that's okay. I ain't calling anyone an idiot, yeah. I, I have suggested that at some point during this year, maybe upwards of twice, that you will see Rashad Penny get load management treatment. That despite having a good week the week before, he will be inactive on game day a following week because he's an injury waiting to happen, and they do want to protect him a little bit. It's a term we use mostly in the NBA, not often, if at all, in the NFL. But I actually think that will be the case. Of course, the Eagles will say that he's got a nick or a ding, or that's why he's not going to be active. So guys like yourself have to work for a living, have to find out if that's true or not, if he's actually hurt. Or if they're just taking him out of the lineup on a given week to protect him and give him some load management. Does my theory hold any water? Well, Penny was another guy we just spoke to. So um, I got to ask him about how he feels, and, and he says he feels great. There's no ill effects from you know, the broken leg that he suffered last year. Of course, this is a guy who's probably been injured more than he's played in his NFL career so far. But when he has been out there, he's been very productive. Uh, now, I don't know if that's going to happen necessarily unless he's hurt. Um, if he's good to go, he's good to go. Uh, you know, the, the load management thing, I don't think that applies as much uh, in the NFL because there's only so many games uh, you have over the course of the year. Um, I do think that they'll probably – I think they'll be like one of those games where it's like, Penny getting all the carries because he's, he's he's running well. It's a team stylistically that the Eagles think that his running style will um, be effective. Uh, so you can see like a 150-yard game out of him one week. And maybe the next week you see um, DeAndre Swift getting more carries. Or you see DeAndre Swift catching five catches for 890 yards. and touch, you know. So I think it's going to be a week-to-week thing with his running back position, the hot hand, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, certainly with, with Penny, there's a reason why the Eagles got him on the cheap. Uh, the injuries have been a factor in his entire career, um, and you have to be wary of that. And that's, again, why they followed up and got DeAndre Swift, made that, made that trade um, on draft day. All right. Jeff McClain is our guest. We're going to let him go in a second. He covers the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Also uh, does the podcast Uncovering the Birds, which I, I really enjoyed. Any more of those coming, or is that off season? Uh, there's, we, the plan is to do some in season that will be kind of like about the current team. Uh, probably be a little different in style than the certainly will be a narrative series type of podcast where we talk to talk to players, try to get them uh, give their inner, innermost uh, thoughts and intimate details about their lives, etc. Uh, but pre- season two proper, we're pretty much 100% go for next off season. So this is really good that, stuff. You know, we, yeah, I appreciate. It. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback from 
from fans who are looking for more than just, you know, the X's and the O's or what guys are saying on the podium or just the, kind of the, the, the banal talk of, of what you see um, in terms of the NFL. It's about, you know, getting inside these guys' heads, um, talking about, you know, more than just um, football or, or a lot about football, but just more about these guys and their lives. And we're hoping to kind of um, – do that with players that are also currently on the and coaches that are currently on the roster. We did a little bit in season one. Oh, even, hey, you brought back Jason Babin in my mind last year. It's been a long time. Since yeah, I yeah, we, and we dug deep. Yeah, so we're gonna, you know, some of them will be, you know, old stories or stories that you may not have ever known or that I'm just kind of finding out with guys have, being a little more reflective about their careers and careers and more willing to talk now that now that they're at, not in the league anymore. All right, so one more question for me, which was yesterday we played Friday's uh, brief Nick Sirianni explosion uh, mm-hmm. during the ball security drill. Um, and I'm wondering if how much of that was just like at that moment he was particularly angry about guys not you know uh, doing it well, or how much of what he needs to do this year is the psychology of they got to the Super Bowl last year, to quote John Chaney, as I did yesterday, don't let them sniff themselves. Let them know how tough it is. Because it seems to me that's one of his toughest jobs this year. Yeah, and I wrote my subhead when I wrote about it, like, you know, perform, performative art, you know, yeah. performance art. And, um, you know, coaches will do that. Uh, it was interesting that he would have that explosion when the cameras were running. And, and typically, you know, Nick has, has always been a yeller. He's always been a screamer. He'll get on guys, and he's done that since the first day he's been here. Typically, it's like the receivers seem to be uh, his whipping boys. But um, you know, in that in that case, it was the whole entire skill position unit on the offensive side. Um, so I think there's probably made a little bit of that. I, I, you know, I think he was quite frankly uh, not happy about the way they're performing, and, and the first practice was real sloppy. A lot of pre-snap penalties, and he was yelling at individual players. He yelled at Sean Desai at one point, or at least barked out his name. Uh, and you're right. I mean, I recall uh, 2018, right? Uh, coming off the Super Bowl, the Eagles had a lot of drama in terms of injuries, et cetera, Carson Wentz uh, primarily. And I remember Doug Peterson, who's a pretty um, docile guy. Uh, sometimes he isn't, sometimes he is, but overall he is. And I remember Doug just kind of losing it, losing it uh, because there were, again, a lot of mistakes and errors and penalties. And it, it got to the point where I think, you know, he felt he had to put his foot down um, because this is a team – that, you know, maybe was kind of resting on its laurels or thinking, okay, just because we got this won the Super Bowl, maybe it will be easy for us to get back there again. And I think, Nick, you're always fighting that um, when you've been a, a Super Bowl team. Now, they didn't win it, so there still should be a lot of hunger uh, from this team. But you don't want uh, the new guys, and there's a lot of them here, you don't want the new guys thinking, oh, well, just because we come off the Super Bowl. Well, they weren't part of that Super Bowl. So I think the message is not only to the guys coming off the Super Bowl, it's to the guys who are new about this is how we do things. Don't lose sight of that. And, you know, and as Nick said at one point, this is how you lose to bad teams. All right, last one for me, Jeff. Uh, I saw some quotes this week from Darius Slay said he and Matt Patricia had a good face-to-face, heart-to-heart conversation and that they're on the same page. They're all just Mm -hmm. about winning and making the Eagles better. Uh, which is a good thing to hear. That's one hurdle they don't have to worry about if he's being truthful and that's the way it plays. But what is Matt Patricia's role going to be on this team, above and beyond not getting into any bickering with uh, his ex-pal from Detroit, Darius Slay? How is uh, Matt Patricia going to improve this coaching staff? Yeah, we've seen Nick do this uh, before, bringing in uh, coaches who have had higher roles and maybe lost their jobs, Uh, Jim Bob Cooter being one of them. 
And I think I think Patricia's role is to kind of be behind the scenes, looking at uh, teams in advance or or uh, you know do, studying film, um, offering kind of like a big picture look at certain parts of the defense that maybe Sean doesn't have. Sean Desai doesn't have time for his assistants to look at. Um, this is a guy who's been a defensive coordinator in the league for, for was a defensive coordinator in the league for a long time, and then obviously became a head coach um, and had and had great success with the Patriots. So it's not like you're 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 talking about someone who hasn't done it and done it at a high level. Uh, of course, as we all recall, the Eagles torched him, or at least him in, his, oh, yeah. in the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl Fifty Two. Oh, yeah. But you know, Patricia's a high-minded guy. I think that uh, you know he, he does take an analytical look at at the defense, and I think that's probably what his role will be here. Um, I don't think it's going to be anything greater than that. All right, Jeff McClain. Of course, unless, oh. of course, unless uh, let me just throw an aside there, unless the side totally. Uh, isn't good, and they have to make a move. But yeah, so uh, we're way, 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 way far, far away. Yeah, from that. And I, I'm glad to hear it that he's having nothing to do with the offense because that's what he did last year with New England. Right? Well, yeah, the yeah. de facto offensive coordinator of the Patriots, the Eagles have no aspirations to bring him to I the other side of the that, ball. Yeah, I don't think that's what's going to happen here. Okay, good. I lied. One more <laughs> quick one. I know you got to get back to work. Carson Wentz is currently unsigned. Will he be on an NFL roster week one? It sounds like he's willing to be a backup, so my guess is yeah. There you go. If he's not Jeff. willing to be a backup, then no. Yeah, gotcha. Agreed. Thank you, man. Have a great day. Thanks All so much. All right. All right, take care. Thanks, Jeff. Good stuff. Um, Matt Patricia, and listen, I hope he does great for the Eagles and so on. He was the guy you're watching the Super Bowl or wherever you watch the Patriots with, with the pencil behind the ear or then chewing the pencil. Just was like, uh, to quote my old friend Anthony, a hate-the-face guy. I understand hate-the-face guy, but you loved the face that day because he didn't have any answers. I know. He was clueless. Yeah. The face looked baffled. Not hate-the-face. Love the face because he was like, how the hell? where the hell did they come up with that Philly special play? He really did look baffled. Um, so I was, I was looking at uh, a list of unsigned players yesterday, and there are some pretty good names on that list. Um, one of which, as I said, is Carson Wentz, Dalvin Cook, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry. Now, you know, it's the NFL, so often, like, you get old in a hurry and then you're done. Um, what do you think happens with Carson Wentz? Is there another act there? Well, let me just say this. A couple of names to out there. One guy I've kind of been interested in all off season. Eagles didn't go there. I didn't think they would, but I- I've always liked the player. Um, Landry, yeah. if there's an injury, if either Quez or uh, uh, Alamade Devontae. Zacchaeus get oh, hurt, those guys. Okay. then, yeah, I think he's a uh, uh, a wide receiver who can jump in. He's been, I know, a number two elsewhere, and he'd have to accept the fact that he's going to come three here at best, and he's going to have to even compete for that. I think a wide receiver is still not out of the question from there. Now, if any of the young guys, the unsigned, the undrafted guys that they brought in really wow in camp, then that would negate a, a need for another wide receiver. But that hasn't happened yet, and I don't even know if it can happen between now and the beginning of the season. But that is one position that I, I would keep an eye on. Uh, Carson? By the way, Greg, Greg Ward, I believe, is back in camp. Yes, and he's one of my favorite <laughs> Eagle players, and they love him because he's a great team guy. He's great yeah, he in the is. locker room. Yeah, and you and Merrill. Merrill every, loves him. Everybody likes him. 
And, yeah, all he does is catch the ball when you throw it to him. All right, yeah. so it's only a three-yard gain, but it's a catch. <laughs> he catches everything you throw his way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think Carson's in trouble. It's going to yeah. take it's going to take a massive injury. Well, here's an example: mm-hmm. the Bills, yes, not not the those the Bengals signed Stinnett, the Eagles' ex quarterback. Yeah, because well. they need a safety net. Because Burrow is going to be several weeks, and I saw one guy speculate yesterday that Week One is in question for him mm-hmm. to play for Cincinnati. Why not Carson Wentz? You do have that. You tell me you think Reed Stinnett is better than Carson Wentz? No, I definitely do not think Reed Stinnett is better than Carson Wentz. I think that Carson Wentz is not like – I wouldn't sign him just as like an insurance guy who I plan to cut the minute that Burrow gets healthy, which is what I imagine it is with Stinnett, right? They don't even see him finishing out the year with him unless – I think Wentz is the guy if my starter gets hurt and I have an inexperienced backup, and I think you know, I think I got some hope of playoff hopes that I don't want to turn it over to a rookie fourth round pick, whatever team that is. I, I don't know what team that is, um, or I just want a capable backup. I agree, not a starter, but a backup, but not a third stringer. If that, if that's the category that makes sense. What you're saying makes a ton of sense. You're trying to thread the needle. The exact yeah, team am. with the exact need and the yeah, exact that's right. And I play. think that's the only way it comes back. Yeah. And right now there is no such situation nope. in the league. That's why I'm I, I'm thinking there's a possibility he's not going to be on a roster in week maybe. one. More, more, more than 50% chance yeah, he's not maybe. than he is. Uh, how about Dalvin Cook, though? I mean, he's good. He's going to be a J-E-T at Jet, Jet, Jet. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. You, 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 did you oh, I did see, see what, that. I did, did see you that. see what yeah, Aaron yeah, Rodgers yeah. did this week? Yeah, either he said he loves Rodgers or Rodgers said he loves him or there's some flirtation. Oh, right? no. Rodgers proved that he loved him. Rodgers proved that he loves being on the Jets. He gave back over $30 million. I did in his that. renegotiation. Oh, so Dalvin Cook, does some that go to Dalvin Cook. Oh, they got cap space now, okay. and, and okay. Dalvin Cook isn't going to make the kind of money he was supposed to make with Minnesota. Nobody's going to pay him that. But the Jets could be the top bidder, and that's where he could end up because you talk about a discount double check. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, Rogers! And I asked this: Who do I have on the the CBS show last? Night? I had a, an NFL guy on. Um, it all blends together for you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I know how big a baseball guy you are, Mr. Immaculate Grid. Alex Rodriguez was traded to the Boston Red Sox. He never played a game for the Boston Red Sox because to do the trade, he agreed to give money back. And the Major League Baseball Union stepped in and goes, no, 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 no. You're not doing that. You're not giving a penny back. Your contract, your contract. Boston Red Sox are not getting a discount. So he ends up going back to Seattle and gets traded to the Yankees and a change the face of fortunes of both of those two organizations. In the NFL, Rodgers redid his deal and just gave back $37 million Yeah, over the course of two years. Yeah. Why can you do that in the NFL but you can't do it in baseball? I don't know. It's, it's all weird. All right, we got like one minute before we got to hit a break to head to leading off. Let's find out what we forgot to talk about from our producer, Nick Earnshaw. 
All right, so I'm going to go back to last weekend. As we know, Scott Rowland was inducted, and Francisco Rojas, other producer here at WIP, myself and Pete Inorado from KYW, we got we got to head up there. I know you're a big Scott Rowland fan, Glenn, but uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't care for that. I actually got to go into the Hall of Fame, nice. and we visited. It was my first time there. I got to see George Earnshaw, family lineage. Uh, he donated a watch from the 1929 World Series in the exhibit for the 1929. That's A's. right. You so that was the best me part. You're related to George Earnshaw, who played, and I know this from my playing Stratomatic as a kid with those, well, I think it was the 1929, 1931 A's, like with Lefty Grove and Al Simmons and uh, Mickey Cochran and George Earnshaw. was a great pitcher. How is he related to you? Uh, he's an uncle of mine, so I think it's three greats. Cool. Yes, and I got his baseball card while I was up there too. Nineteen thirty-four wow. Gowdy. Wow, that's, that's very, very cool. cool. Good for you. So, first time there. What else really struck you? Because it's been a while since I've gone. Oh my goodness! Um, going in to see all the plaques, uh, seeing Schmidt, Carlton, yeah. Ruth, like all these guys. I mean, legends uh, of the game. That really, like, I was kind of just in awe of just seeing all those guys up there with their plaques. That's very good. Very cool stuff. Good for you. i got to get back one of these days. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now coming back. We're going to do leading off, which is going to take you into Philly's game today. Philly's Pirates, 135 start here on 94 WIP. The Bet Park Sportsbook app, the only one that I recommend and play with. It's the official sportsbook app of the real Philly sports fans. Odds, bets, slots, games, all right there in the palm of your hand. Good time to be looking at the NFL futures market. Is this the year? Do the Eagles fly in the face of you can't get back to a Super Bowl after going there and losing? They got a big-time shot, and they're six-and-a-half to one right now to win it all. Not a bad number on the birds for a potential championship. Uh, all the individual uh, future bets as far as odds go, props on players, stats, numbers, and the like. What's Jalen going to throw for? What's Jalen going to run for? A.J. Brown touchdowns. Check it out. you got to download the app, see the offerings, then you want to get, get involved. If you've never played before with Parks, you may get a second app for you. How about opening up your partnership with a $10 bet, and if you win, $125 in a bonus sports book bet back. That's pretty darn good. Now, the first bet must be a winning one, and the bonus bet wagered all at once. But a pretty good way to start your summer fun if you're looking to add some wages. It's all there, spreads, games, parlays, and much, much more. Join the Mac Man, as I am a player and a proponent of the official Philly, uh, uh, the Bet Parks Sportsbook app. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.